Hello, it is Friday, May the 8th, 2020. The NFL released its schedule last night. It has been said it is the only schedule that they created. Roger Goodell said he will adjust accordingly if there is something that he needs to adjust accordingly to, but they did not build any other schedule, and this schedule is a beautiful one. We got Tom Brady and Drew Brees opening up week one. The NFC South is going to battle on primetime. Speaking of old Tom Brady, I think their last seven games are either at home or in a dome. Fantasy football, he's going to close it out strong. No cold weather games for Tom Brady late in the season. That's a big deal, isn't it? That's a big-ass deal. Houston Texans got to take on the Kansas City Chiefs, start the whole thing off. Washington Redskins got to... Got to take on four or five teams coming fresh off a of bye week. I mean, there's a lot of storylines that you can dive into, but Mike Tomlin said it best. Hey, as long as I got eight at home, eight on the road in a bye week, I don't really look much into any of that other stuff. I can't wait for the season to start. It makes me feel good, though. We got degenerates in the group who are already betting on the over-unders for teams. There's already spreads out for some of the games. Diggs has already bet on all of them. I mean, this is a magical time. we got a lot of optimistic shit coming for you today. A lot of dates have been released. And we got some good conversations. I can't thank you enough for joining us. Remember, take a picture where you're listening at. Tweet hashtag this is where I'm at, Pat, with a nice little photo. Could win some free merch. And you'll probably be a part of something, you know, a little special we're putting together for the end of this quarantine run. I feel like we've been a nice community here together. I've been trying my best, hopefully, and the boys and I have been trying our best, hopefully, to give you a little something to distract you from this wild, crazy time to be alive. A soccer player was dead for four years, came back to life. UFOs are real. There's murder hornets, and we're currently locked down. I don't need to remind you that, though. What I should tell you is we got some great conversations coming. Remember, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you don't, just act like it never fucking happened. Let's get to it. He's obviously a legendary NFL head coach. He's an author. He's a former NFL commentator, people forget, and he's wide-ass open. Ladies and gentlemen, former coach of mine, (laughs) legend head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bruce Harris. What's up, brother? Where are you down in Tampa right now? It looks beautiful out there. I'm at the lake in Georgia. How's the golf game? It's getting better, baby. It's getting better. <laughs> okay, I need to ask you about a couple of things here. Obviously, as we go, when you did, when you retired from the Cardinals, your press conference was an emotional one for anybody who's ever played for you, coached with you, because you're a guy who's been a, a football lifer. So whenever you decided to retire from the Cardinals, we were all kind of bummed out. Then whenever we heard you were going to get on television, everybody was immediately pumped. We're like, okay, we're getting Bruce on TV first week. You say this guy's wide ass open and i'm like this is what i'm talking about and then after the season you go i'm going back to coaching did you not enjoy the television route is that not what you expected why'd you get out of there i thought you were good yeah i i enjoyed it you know i love being at practice on fridays being at the games uh the travel really sucked (laughs) but uh um you know really couldn't say what i wanted to say sometimes uh had to bite my tongue a few times and uh I wasn't itching to get back in coaching. It was just the perfect opportunity. Okay. Great ownership. General manager is a good friend. My entire coaching staff was available. Uh, and I got I got the bug again. 
Okay, and we were all happy you got the bug, but there was a lot of jobs you could have got. I mean, at that point, Cleveland was up for grabs. I think Green Bay was potentially up for grabs. When you went to Tampa Bay, a lot of people didn't expect it. Was it because of your friendship with general manager and, and because you thought that could be a good place for you? No doubt. I mean, uh, you, you have to have a great relationship with your GM if you're going to be successful. And, uh, and Jason's outstanding. We work together. And, yeah, it was just a natural fit. Last year, uh, obviously, things didn't go exactly to plan, but you had your quarterback who led the NFL in passing. He goes up for free agency. You and Jason obviously have to assess your team going forward. At what point did you guys say, we should maybe make a run with Tom Brady? Was, there, was that immediately after the season was over? Was that in the first meeting of potential free agents? How did that all come to be? Because nobody expected Tom to go to Tampa Bay. I, I don't think anybody thought that was going to happen. When did you guys start putting those wheels in motion of, hey, why not us? Yeah, I think I was, you know, right after the season, you do it every year. You start with yourself as a head coach. What do I got to do to get better? Coordinators, you go all the way down every position. And, you know, we knew we could win with Jameis. It was just, is there is there a better option behind door number two? Uh, did we think that, that door number two was going to be Tom Brady? No. Uh, you know, as the thing grinded out and he didn't go back, it's like maybe there is a shot, you know, and then, the legal period came. We got on the phone, hit it off, and, uh, you know, I, I knew he was excited about us. He knew a lot about us, so uh, it was easy after that. Everybody said that they weren't 100% sure if your offense was the right one for Tom Brady. I talked to Clyde Christensen, quarterback coach now for Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Good dude. has been around a long time with Peyton. Andrew Luck was at Miami. Now he's with you. And he said the film that he watched from last year, all the people that were saying Tom Brady's arm was getting weaker, he fell off, was completely false whenever it came to the film. Do you think Tom Brady, uh, now obviously you do, you just paid him on your team, <laughs> but that narrative that he's not the right quarterback for your offense, why is that completely wrong? I, I think people think of us as throwing the ball way down the field all the time and, and not throwing it to the guy that's open, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I think you take a guy like Peyton, he had that clock. You know, he didn't hold on to it very long. Tom's got a clock. It's going to come out. Now, we're going to look short. We're going to let him look deep. Just get it out of your hand. Don't get sacked. Complete the ball. Move it down the field. Uh, add a good running game to it. And, uh, you know, he's fine. He can make every throw still. Okay, right now, obviously not an easy time to coach somebody a new offense. We talked to Clyde. The conversation Clyde said that you guys had was, hey, we're going to use our offense. We're not having everybody else change because Tom came in here. We're going to have Tom. We think he's smart enough to learn our offense. Will there be some collaboration on things? Obviously, he has a good brain as well. And how are you teaching all this now with the way the world is currently? Yeah, I think collaboration is the key. I think that was the whole thing. You know, he wanted to have some input. He wanted to learn our offense. We'll take what he likes i'm sure we have it in our offense it's just what do we call it uh add it to it um get to know our the pieces to the puzzle our receivers uh and then just keep building it and uh but yeah it's hard right now you know right now we'd be in, in phase one in the building meeting so we're doing all that virtually right now uh, and it's getting done what we're going to miss i think is the on the field snaps does that worry you at all no, I, th I think we're going to get it done. I, I think, you know, whenever it's safe for everybody to go out there and, and uh, practice, and we'll have enough time to get ready. There was a reports that Tom Brady wanted roster control. It came out, Tom Brady wants roster control. There's people reporting, like, this is what Tom's looking in a potential landing spot. It, was that just like Tom Brady would like to be able to say, hey, I want this guy on my team? Or was that ever a conversation between you, Jason, and Tom? 
No, that was never a conversation. <laughs> it was uh, it was just a matter of hey, you know, you're going to tell me which receivers you like. We got like ten of them. Okay, I know the top two you're going to like. <laughs> uh, three, four, and five. You know, if you want to pick one, have it. Uh, you know, I'm not throwing the ball. Uh, so I, I think the big thing was when he when he brought up Gronk that he wanted to play again, and uh, so that that was like, is that for real? And one thing led to another. You know, we we got in touch with the Patriots, got the compensation, and and uh, he's ready to roll. So Tom mentioned that to you. He said, "Hey, listen." In negotiate is this in negotiations that hey I got a friend you might have heard of him his name's Rob Gronkowski he just made the NFL's All 100 team he is still in shape he's on Mass Singer right now singing as a white <laughs> tiger he potentially wants to come out of retirement and play is that something you'd be interested in? is that during the negotiation period or is that after you guys already signed him it was after we already signed him got got going got to know each other a little bit. The the story about him breaking into Byron Leftwich's neighbor's house is legendary. <laughs> um, the thought that you guys have Gronkowski on your team and Tom Brady, and you led the NFL in passing last year. Now, granted, Jameis is now with the Saints. He signed a $1.1 million deal. That's going to make him a better quarterback, obviously. Why did things, why did 30 interceptions happen? Because you look back to Carson Palmer, he threw a lot of interceptions with your offense the first year. Jameis did as well. Why is that? Is it because your offense is a complicated system, even though people seem to think it's just one no-risk-it-no-biscuit operation? I I think some of the things we teach, you know, take some chances, um, lead to that maybe, but I think it's still the guy pulling the trigger. Yeah, you know, uh, Carson eliminated his interceptions. You know, we go thirteen and three, uh, and that's the same thing. We take out half the interceptions last year. We're in the playoffs. You're one of the only coaches in the history to coach both Peyton and Tom, two the two guys who are basically going to go down as the greatest ever. I mean, if depending on who you ask, there's a Mount Rushmore. You got to pay tribute to the old old heads as well. I I respect yeah. it. But Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, since the beginning of time, our time at least, has been the conversation. Yeah. Did you and Peyton talk uh, before signing Tom, or have you reached out to anybody? Because Tom and Peyton, I guess, are good friends at this point as well. And what do you expect from Tom that you might have learned from coaching Peyton, Ben, Carson, Andrew Luck, and things of that nature? Yeah, the the the, the desire to win. You know, they're gonna they're gonna will their they're gonna will themselves on everybody. Uh, their work habits, uh, just having that piranha type atmosphere of gathering information. I used to call Peyton the piranha because. And the media room might have enough information. He ate it all up. You know, I just had to have more and more. If it was an hour meeting, I'd have three hours worth of shit. And uh, Tom's going to be the same way, you know. Uh, Andrew Luck, whenever he retired, you were coaching in Tampa. Uh, You were the guy who had Andrew Luck break. I mean, watching that offense whenever you became the interim head coach and that offense was just awesome to watch. I mean, obviously went to the playoffs. I think we would have continued the playoffs if you didn't get sick the day against Baltimore. Uh, happy you, you recovered from that. But that team was something special. And watching you work with Andrew Luck was awesome. Whenever he steps away, what is your immediate thought there, uh, not only for Andrew Luck as a person, but for the game in general? Well, the game lost a great one. I mean, one of the greatest I've ever seen. Uh, what he did as a rookie was amazing. You know, just, just him as a rookie, but all the, those other seven rookies were playing. It wasn't like he was playing with a bunch of vets. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I'm happy for him because I think he's happy. I think he's at peace. Uh, I want that for him because he, he surely deserves it. What do you 
Have you talked to Gronk about coming out of retirement and getting his body ready? I mean, you came out of retirement, got back into the thing. I don't know how much of a physical toll, but mentally that's a different thing. Have you and Gronk had conversations about what he's thinking, how he's feeling, the body? Because everybody's questioning whether or not he's back if he retired. Because remember, he had that CBD commercial where he was like, my body was getting beat up. My mentally, I was getting. What were your conversations with Gronk uh, whenever he's coming back? And what have they been about? Hey, you know what? We're getting that Gronk back who was on the NFL's All 100 team. Yeah, I mean, he's doing the virtual stuff now with our strength coaches. And it's like, whoa, slow down, dude. I mean, he's – and he looks great. He's sitting at 260. So you don't need to get back to 270, man. Play at a, play at a good weight. I mean, it, it will take him five weeks, and he's going to be in football shape. And uh, I think the, the year off really, really helped him. And uh, uh, he didn't – it's not like he dropped down to 230. You know, he was only down about 14 pounds. Why didn't uh, Derek Jeter give you his house? <laughs> I can't afford it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'd get lost anyway. <laughs> 30,000 square feet over there, no yard. Yeah, all water. Tampa Bay seems like it's really on it. you got the Super Bowl next year. I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning, I think, are good at hockey whenever hockey comes back. It feels like Tampa Bay is on the up and up right now. Have you felt, now granted, we're in the middle of a quarantine, but is that a city that's ready to explode for the Buccaneers to be back on the national stage again? Because it's coming out tonight. You guys are probably going to be on prime time like 10 times. I mean, Tampa Bay is about to get a big-time spotlight on it. Is that city ready to explode, do you think? I don't think there's any doubt, Pat, man. The uh... – you know, they're, they're still – Bayshore Avenue is one of those places where everybody rides their bicycles, rollerblades, and it's packed. Uh, there were yard parties for the draft. And, uh, I mean, everybody's excited. And, uh, you know, we can't wait to get the fans back out there. And, you know, let's, let's just hopefully everything's safe and take our time and don't rush it. What's up with that park guy kicking Tom out of the park? <laughs> yeah, man. He's lucky he kept his job. <laughs> You got a tough mayor, though. Mayor Jay, she's tough, man. You got to watch her. <laughs> I told a story about watching you uh, play golf and drowning a wedge because that thing didn't deserve to hit another shot. And uh, are you on? Are you about to hit the golf course right now after this conversation? I, I'm, I'm heading that way, brother. Yes, indeed. Uh, you, how many, who's the best golfer you ever played against that isn't a professional golfer? Ooh, that's not a professional? That's not a professional. Uh, Man, there's been a few. Uh, probably Kenny Wisenhunt. Oh, Wisenhunt, Wiz, really? Wiz was like a plus one. And uh, then of the players, I'd have to say Ben. Ben just hits it so far. And uh, and he knows what he's doing. You and Ben live on that same lake, don't you? Yeah, he lives right around the corner. Have you seen that beard on that man right now? Oh, baby. He's got it going. <laughs> he's, trying to, he's trying to replace Kiesel. <laughs> He, it's come out that this is the first offseason he's decided to really work out because he's coming back from physical therapy. What are you expecting from Ben Roethlisberger after that Tommy John? Because every time he gets on the field, he lights it up. For some reason, he's not in the conversation of, of the other elite quarterbacks. And I think it's because of maybe the narrative off the field, obviously. But he is a stud whenever he's back. Having conversations with him after sitting out a year, watching that team almost make the playoffs with next to no quarterback play. How does Ben? How, how have the conversations gone with Ben for his year coming back next year? Uh, you know, I've, I've watched him uh, the last three years. He's been in unbelievable condition, uh, just getting in shape. I think that arm was hurting him for a year. So I, I think they're going to have a big, big year. I mean, Ben, uh, I, I think the Steelers defense is coming on. They could they could be right back in the thick of it. You worried about Jameis being at the Saints and knowing your offense? No. I mean, it's, it's not like um, he's going to know what play we called. So, 
uh, I've always said you can have the playbook if you want it, as long as you don't know what the play's called. <laughs> oh, man. You got some five stars on your team this year, Coach. I can't wait to watch you guys get going. It's going to be fun, brother. Knock on wood, stay healthy, and uh, it could be a fun year. I tell the story about you wearing all black to the uh, – <laughs> <laughs> do you and Bowles get after it in those practices you and Bowles get after I'm, it? I've, I've calmed down a little bit you know i let i let byron run the offense now so i don't i don't chirp as much as i used to but it's still fun you know i chirp more to offensive guys too you were the best man it was so much fun getting to watch you become a head coach obviously for us that year and relieve a truck and then going to arizona and then now you're doing this i'm pulling hard for you brother i can't wait Appreciate you, bro. Ladies and gentlemen, heading to a golf course in Georgia, Stat, head coach of the Tampa Bay. Do you hate the name the Tampa Bay Gronkineers? <laughs> I'm not afraid for that one yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Arians. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolute Thank you, coach. You got it, brother. See you, man. Oh, I'm not a fan of that one yet. <laughs> Okay, so Tom told him about Grunk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, after they signed and they became friends. Uh That's funny, though, because I would assume that Tom was saying that to any team he was going, which maybe he was. He probably can't say that they said that, which everybody's kind of, you know, in limbo. He said, when we got to the legal time, because there's been a couple requests to do some research on what's going on down there. But that team, I mean, they got to be pumped down there in Tampa Bay, which Uh, he's not a fan of. I actually kind of believe it, because for as – much as Tom's won, and for as big as he is, he seems like the guy that would actually like going into an organization wouldn't want to overstep and like actually just assimilate naturally. Yeah, and the roster control thing—if that was about like, hey, I got a friend who who potentially wants to come out of retirement and play for us, who's on the NFL 100 time on team—that got grossly overstated in the media. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. then Bruce came out and said, "Well, we're not going to get Antonio Brown. He can go and move on for that." Mm-hmm. It's like, well, is there a power struggle? I don't think there is. <laughs> well, and that would make a lot more sense if it was just like between those, you know, third, fourth, fifth receivers, like you mentioned. Like, eh, I'm not really feeling this guy. Rather, by the way. Coaches and GMs should do that. Now, apparently, Belichick did not do it because that's the way Patriot Way is. Yep. But if if your quarterback doesn't like a guy, why are you going to force him? Because Tom came out on Howard Stern. He yeah. said, you can put a guy on the field, but I'm not, I don't have to throw it to him. Like I, I don't have to throw it to him. And Tom even openly said he won't throw it to guys that he doesn't trust. Like He just won't throw it to him. And I assume that's not just Tom Brady, by the way. That's the greatest uh-huh. of all time mm-hmm. speaking. I would assume that that kind of echoes throughout everybody else. So he's saying, uh, I know who your favorite two are going to be. He's got <laughs> about the 10 of them. If you want to pick the three, four, five, you do what you got to do. I mean, he is him drowning that golf club that day. <laughs> That, that thing doesn't deserve another shot, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and he just got that cop fired, too. Oh, yeah. He kicked Tom out of the park. <laughs> it's always hard to get the proper nutrition into your body, whether you're on the go, whether you're working, or maybe you're just lazy and don't really think about it. A company has come along and made one scoop to make your life a better one, and that's our friends at Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is a one-stop shop for everything that your body could possibly fucking need from a nutritional standpoint in one clean scoop. I, I am a big fan of this Athletic Greens. I've never taken care of myself. I'm a noted poor eater, poor drinker, poor liver. And now that we've been on this run here for the last 11, 12 weeks, the thing that I've noticed that has saved me just a little bit has been my scoop of Athletic Greens. And I also have travel packets, which have worked out perfectly for everything we have to get going right now. You need to get this into your daily routine because your nutritional needs need you to have you ready 
for whatever the day throws at you. You struggle to get in nutrient-dense fruit and veggies. You're looking to overcome gut health issues or nutrient deficiencies. You just don't feel as good as you used to. You travel frequently or struggle to eat as well on the road. You're an athlete or professional seeking enhanced performance. You don't want to take multiple supplements at home or on the road. If all of these things are yeses or any of these things are yeses, you need to get with Athletic Greens right now. Your body's nutritional needs change due to stress, travel, sleep patterns, exercise, and the imperfect diet. Even with a balanced, healthy diet, it can be tough to cover your nutritional bases. That's why top performers, athletes, executives, and entrepreneurs trust Athletic Greens. Right now, you can get 20 free travel packs, which is valued at $79 with your first purchase whenever you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash pat that's 20 free travel packs which is valued at 79 dollars for free when you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash pat respect your body appreciate your body fill it up with the right shit athletic greens has all the good shit for you athleticgreens.com forward slash pat 20 free travel packets we are live McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. I am Pat McAfee, the first half of that name. Sitting to my left, the handsome man wearing a three-quarter zip is A.J. Hawk. A.J., how's it going, pal? It's going great, pal. How you doing? Hey, you all right? I'm good. I'm in a good spot. I mean, I just uh, got a massive uh, wave of uh, emotion. Just went through my lungs and came right out there right before we get live. And I feel pretty, pretty good. Not a bad lunch today. Good first show. Got a lot of conversation with Bruce Arians, Chris Harris Jr., and a lot of other things to cover, especially top goal events like the new quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys who will be joining us today, Andy Dalton. Isn't that right, A.J. Hawk? Yeah, in, in theory, that, that was what we were going to do. That was the plan, huh? And we got derailed. What do you Pat. mean? And it, it's not Andy. I don't know. I guess he just they don't. I don't know. He just he can't come on at least right now. Maybe eventually he can come on the show. Oh, Andy Dalton no. scheduled to be on oh. McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk today after signing with the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday or Saturday night, whatever it was. Friend of the show, we thought. Friend of the show, we thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, friend of the show. Good friend. Somebody we've gone to bat for on a very regular occasion. Probably not, probably not anymore. We heard him go on the Adam Schefter podcast after signing with the Dallas Cowboys. So we we do know that he has spoken to the media since then. Supposed to come on the show, can't come on the show. Last minute, can't do it. What's that all about? Do I hate him now? Do I hate Andy Dalton now? That is the that is what I really have to ask myself. And AJ, I would like you to tell me whether or not I should hate him or not. No, I mean I don't think you should hate him. He did everything he could to try to to make it on the show. Uh, you know, Pat, like in. you know from dealing with NFL PR teams, like they don't like when you go directly to the person. They want to go through. They want you to go through their channels to make sure that they're okay with it. Ugh. And I don't know. I think Andy's just—he's too good of a guy. He doesn't want to like ruffle any feathers and mess anything up. He hasn't even stepped foot in the facility yet, even though he signed with Dallas. So I know he's, he's got not going to be on the show. He's got that side yard. He's got kids, and you know maybe maybe we go directly to the source because they're adults, they're grownups. If they want to have conversations with their friends about their lives, and who knew we weren't even going to talk about him being on Dallas Cowboys. We. We never said we were going to talk about him being on Dallas Cowboys. I know. This son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Who should I hate? Who should I shouldn't hate Andy Dalton, you're saying? I shouldn't no. I think Andy will definitely come on uh, eventually. I just Maybe. think. Maybe. I'm going to try to burn that bridge down right now, though. Is it- <laughs> oh, we know We know that you loved. Uh, you're a great grudge holder. You can go hold it until <laughs> the, the end of time. We know that. Not to Andy. 
Not to Andy, but so you're saying that what potentially happened here was Andy thought, you know what, since I didn't get this okayed with my new team, I don't want to go in on a bad foot or a bad, yeah, bad first impression. Let's wait until we get a little bit past this so I don't piss anybody off. You think that's what he was thinking? Yeah, I think so. I think they just want to keep everything, uh, I don't know, maybe in Dallas. They don't, with the whole DAC contract situation, I'm guessing that's why they don't want to drum up more controversy over like the quarterback position there and what's going on in Dallas. That makes sense. I guess Jerry Jones will be on the NFL Network this evening. I'm sure he'll get asked about that whole entire situation. He'll handle it well, whether he's on his yacht or at his house in Dallas doing his own thing. This NFL Network reaction to the schedule release show is... ESPN's planning on going live for three hours or something like that tonight, mm -hmm. and we thought that was a bit alarming, right? We were all like, three hours to react to the schedule release? What could you not get done in the first hour that you have to get done in the next two hours? But I, I, I was appreciative, and we were planning on watching that. A lot of people we know, probably going to be a good show. If we would have thought that this was that big of a deal in advance, I assume we would have potentially done a live watch-along, but we didn't know this was this big of a deal, I don't think. I had no idea this Me was neither. this big a deal. I understand where the times we're living in, why it is a huge deal. But, man, when you look at it, like, we, every team already knows who they're playing. They know where they're playing. We just don't know the order in which they play these teams. So the schedule release doesn't really give us a ton of info. It just tells you when they're going to be playing the opponents that we already know they're playing. I said on uh, the earlier show that whenever, as a punter, the schedule would come out, I would just go right to December, see what shit windy holes will we be punting in in december and then i move on with my life okay let's hope that nothing in buffalo or the afc north is in december if we got to play them let's hope we get them early one year they put me in denver the first week i was very thankful for that i'm like thank you for putting me a mile high maybe give me a week three or four when i'm really hitting a groove would have been a little bit better but i appreciate you putting me out there for everybody else in the nfl now coaches obviously start the with the mindset we lead off with this this is the target this is what we're going for preseason's not gonna happen but for a middle linebacker like yourself did, was there anything that mattered coming out of this schedule release for you no but the first <laughs> the only thing i looked at i guess the first thing i looked at okay when's our bye yo okay. bye week's a big deal hopefully it's somewhere in the middle of the season yeah, who knows whatever i looked at the bye week and then i guess kind of like you what the the majority of teams did you look to see oh maybe we'll get i was in green bay so i'm thinking Hopefully, maybe if we're playing a Florida team, we play them late in the year, November, December. We get one of those to take one of those freezing games uh, off the the list, I guess. That's all I cared about. I didn't ever look at, like, oh, that's two tough back-to-back -back away games. Uh-oh, what are we going to do? I never looked at that. That was never an issue for me. Maybe it was other guys, but the schedule release in, in the schedule was never talked about in the locker room where I was. Like, I don't know if it, if it is other places or maybe I just – had my head and buried my head in the sand and didn't care, but I don't remember it being a big deal, at least inside the locker room. There was numerous times, and I'm just the punter, right? So this is, I am in a different world than everybody else, especially when it comes to preparation for games, because it's me and the ball, basically, every single time. There was times there late in my career where I'd go on Bob and Tom on Tuesday mornings, okay? Local morning show that's on like 170 stations syndicated nationwide, good people, good show. I would go in on Tuesdays, my off days, and there was a numerous occasion when I would go in there that whenever they would start talking about our next game, I had no fucking idea who we were playing. That was Tuesday going into the week. I didn't even know who we were playing. I knew that I had to be up at 6.30 a.m. the next morning for our special teams meeting at 7.30, which then has team meeting at 8. And I assume I'll learn at that point. But I didn't even think 
of who was next. I And now, granted, I assume other people are differently, but I feel like one of the big advantages of some athletes and some people is being able to focus on whatever the hell you have right now. And then we'll worry about whatever's next, next, and then we'll move forward. I was very much that singular focus person. I assume a lot of other people were. I did. It was to the point where I didn't even know who the fuck we were playing four days from now. But Diggs brought up a good point earlier. Fans obviously like this because they can schedule maybe the away game that they want to go to. They can see where the division champ is going to be lined up against their favorite team. Where's the the rivalry games? What's going on late in the season and all that stuff? I can see the allure of it. Three-hour reaction show I thought was a bit much, but then I look over what the NFL Network is doing. <laughs> the NFL Network is packed tonight at 8 o'clock. Now, I want to say that I thought the three-hour show was going to be a bit much over there for ESPN, and maybe they'll be able to digest some stuff that hour three that will be valuable for people to know and, and maybe they're just trying to do shows because it's something different and I respect it but NFL Network tonight is going to be must watch television you're talking about 27 different teams being represented and a lot of big time names Tomlin's going on there he's never on these things Belichick's going Bruce Arians is going who we had on earlier I mean you name it people are going to be in here Jerry Jones John Elway I mean you the people that need answers or have to give answers or give reactions are all going to be on NFL Network tonight this is a brilliant idea by the NFL getting all their teams to get on this thing and I hope they don't just talk about the schedule I hope Bill Belichick gets asked about everything like I hope it's a real interview and because it's on an NFL channel you can't expect that but I just hope that is the particular case and I hope we get some real answers out of some things because I think all these coaches don't give a damn about the schedule either so I think they'll only be talking about you know things that potentially happen how they go forward Jerry Jones is going to get asked about the quarterback situation tonight I would assume Rich Eisen is going to have to ask him this is going to be must-see television, and I'm pumped up for it. Well, I think Rich is, is a good guy to, to host this thing because he can – he'll be fair to the NFL to where he's not going to, like, attack these coaches, but he is going to ask them some normal questions, like, that we care about. Ask Belichick about Tom Brady. Belichick gives us nothing. I think Bruce Arians, the, the, the guys with big, like, dynamic personalities, they'll give some real answers. They, they want to have some fun with it. Brabel will definitely give some good answers. You know he doesn't care to just speak about the schedule. <laughs> it's just – what do you like? What do you ask these guys? Hey, so coach, your your schedule came out. What do you think? I don't know. We found out who we were playing months ago. It doesn't matter what time we're playing and in, in the date of the game. So they don't really care. God, Diggs. I would say with all those guests, like ESPN's gonna be three hours. That's gonna be six hours. That's what I'm saying. There's no way that's under three hours because what are you getting a minute and a half with each person? I mean, <laughs> this is gonna be something. I, if you listen to any of our shows or watch this show, or I can assume and tell you. That what we're talking about tomorrow, I would assume it, the schedule maybe. There's a couple big games. Tom and Tampa Bay are allegedly taking on Drew Brees and the Saints week one. So it's like, hello, welcome to the NFC South. <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you have Drew Brees. I'm going to assume the Saints, by the way, win that game by maybe 20 to 21 yeah. points because they got their – I mean, they, they have a lot of continuity on that side mm -hmm. as opposed to the Buccaneers. The conversation after that game is going to be, did Tom Brady come to the wrong team? Did, should they have kept with Jameis Winston? Did Jameis Winston win because the Saints beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And it's because they're not going to be able to be around each other until probably week five. They won't even know each other's real names inside and out and stuff like that. But these, these are the things that I'm intrigued by and we'll talk about. But I assume all those interviews and conversations that they're going to have is probably where we're going to grab some real gems mm -hmm. from for tomorrow. 
I mean, you would hope so. I, I don't know. Like, I'm curious as to how this plays out. So, wait, who has the official release? The NFL Network, and then ESPN is covering from there. Like, where, how do we? How does it work? The teams mm-hmm. are all allowed to release their own schedules at 7:30. Now, granted, there's leaks coming out right now. Mm-hmm. There, there is yeah. things are just getting dropped because in this world that we live in, as soon as you find out a piece of information, if you're in a, in a position to give it out, you give it out. That's why Kim Jong Un could lie that he was dead <laughs> because somebody in his inner circle was like. <laughs> to the media in America. And then now that person's probably getting bit by dogs, by the way. Mm-hmm. The person that leaked the fake information, oh, yeah. he was dead. But this is just, as soon as you get information, you got to get it out there. So the schedule's going to be leaked all day. I think 8 o'clock just becomes reaction time by the people who put on makeup and get on television. Yeah, I guess. But what kind of reaction can you have? Like, honestly, when you look at the <laughs> schedule, what can know. you say? Oh, what do you think? A couple tough back-to-back weeks there, huh, Jimmy? Yeah, <laughs> well, I guess so. Guess what? It's the NFL. Everybody's good. Hey, uh... They got an early bye week. Look for that experienced veteran team to maybe slow down towards the end of the year there. And if you yeah. start looking at their division, there's no chance they're going to win division with the way this schedule is set up. They say you can't win games in April and May and in March. But I'll tell you what, you can lose them whenever the schedule is set up this way. That is what's, If I was on that show, I would be making these long, drawn-out, ridiculous say, statements that mean absolutely nothing tomorrow just because that's really all you could do with the NFL schedule being released is just go – I guess the Tom Brady Saints thing is is warranted of a conversation because the Jameis angle and the NFC South is going to be on primetime television a lot. But other than that, I'm not certain what the hell any of this means. There was like there was two like big stories that I remember last year after the schedule came out. One was like that the Raiders were going to have eight 1 p.m. Eastern start times, which is which is for a West Coast team a big deal. And then like the Bucks, I believe, had like six straight road games where they weren't like so. It's like little things like that will come out where you like. And over-under betting now, right? So that's a big deal. So whenever you see that type of stuff, West Coast team playing at 1 o'clock on the East Coast, that's tough because the sleep schedule is difficult to change, especially (laughs) whenever you only got a couple days and you got to get back into an NFL Sunday the next week. That San Francisco 49ers run was talked about where they went to Baltimore, Mm -hmm. and then they were down in New Orleans. It was a big, long, sweeping travel. So I guess there are things that you can learn from this that could potentially change your betting for over and under for win totals. But aside from that, I'm not 100% sure. You know what I am 100% sure of, though, AJ? What's that? I got these shorts that I wear that are the most comfortable things these thighs have ever felt before. Oh, yeah. oh what are they called? Well, before we get to that, let me explain to you why they are the way they are. That, oh, man, you're teasing me. Yeah, yep, yep, that's called a tease, my friend. That is called a tease. So back in the day, whenever they would have the inner lining on a bathing suit, it was like that weird netting, right? And your kitten oh, yeah. caboodle were always like you know what i mean like you would walk around you'd accidentally jump off the diving board or something you hit the water that thing comes directly up on your kid and then you're like oh my god and normally you would cut that out of Mm -hmm. your shorts because of how uncomfortable it was it was like we get the concept we don't want to get our boxers wet but we would like to swim but we still want to keep our things together we understand the concept you just haven't figured it out yet then bird dogs came around they figured it out Mm -hmm. pair of shorts that has an inner lining that basically holds you together but it moves with you not against you it's very very comfortable and it's from bird dogs listen this company has been around for a few years you've heard about them they say they're the most comfortable shorts of all time they have great designs and you would think that has to be a bunch of bullshit it's not they sent us a bunch to the office and including like a crocs like shoe oh yeah yeah Mm -hmm. the crocs are unbelievable i don't know if they're crocs by the way they are confirmed on the website so it's bird dogs crocs cross promotion and right now if you go to what's that yeah it says crocs so it's crocs bird dogs 
Yeah, I'm just confused. I didn't know Crocs were with a K. I think it's spelled differently. C-R-O-K-S. Oh, oh, that's a God. different croc. That's a different croc. Well, Anyways, they got the very, t- very comfortable, just like the shorts. Very comfortable. That's and a wife. Right now, you go, <laughs> you go to, you go to birddogs.com and you enter promo code Sports Talk. Okay, not only do you buy the most comfortable shorts, getting ready for summer, where you can wear, they, they got khaki color, they got an mm-hmm. American flag, they got blue, they got all these. Co- you can jump in the pool, go out to the barbecue, throw some cornhole, and be comfortable. You can even wear them out to church if you need to. You can wear them to work. They're adaptable. They're all-terrain shorts, and they're very comfortable. You go to birddogs.com and enter promo code Sports Talk. They'll throw in a free pair of nunch. What? So do they sell nunchucks on on their website? Foxy, how'd you miss the fucking arm bar? <laughs> <laughs> the camera was not in the right position. You go to uh, birddogs.com, <laughs> enter promo code sports talk, and they'll throw in a free pair of nunchucks. Oh my god. These nunchucks. Oh, right no, no, they're done. Sorry, sorry. I'm <laughs> PTSD. Birddogs.com, <laughs> promo code sports talk. Boom, free pair of nunchucks with your bird dogs. You will not take these things off, I promise you. It was Crocs, too. Crocs got a bad rap, and I think it was mostly because of the people that were wearing them, the humans that were wearing them. Uh, oh, what just happened? I put this thing in an arm bar, by the way. Down here, you didn't see it. Took advantage of an opportunity. I think, I, oh, no. He couldn't see it. No, I couldn't see it. Nobody could see it. I could see, like, the very tip of your head. Yeah. That's it. This is where the camera was. You wouldn't have been able to see anything if I clicked into that. Wow. <laughs> you never know when an arm bar is coming, Pat. Yeah, I know. Does it say that? Like, <laughs> it, that's weird. In the ad read, does it say, like, in parentheses, yes. Pat, pull the nunchucks out, beat no. the mic up, put it in an arm bar on the ground? No, no. It just says you get a free pair of nunchucks whenever you go to <laughs> birddogs.com. You go, above, you go above and beyond the expectations. Let's that's just say Bird Dog got a great commercial on that one. By the way, just like Bird Dogs goes above and beyond in comfort and style. That's what they do with their shorts. And you get a free pair of nunchucks. Not a lot of places can do that. Tonight, I'm going to wear my E25 <laughs> Raycon headphones. I'm going to get out my Bird Dogs nunchucks and my Bird Dogs Crocs and shorts. And I'm going to watch everybody from the NFL talk on the NFL Network about something that doesn't matter the schedule. It's awesome. The, you, you hit it earlier, though. The one thing I can understand somebody tuning in for is to see, okay, I, let's say I'm a, a Packers fan and I live in California now. Where, when are they going to be closest to me? Yeah. Are they coming out here? When's the closest to the West Coast? Oh, cool. Let's try to schedule a trip to see this game. That's here's, all. I, that's the main thing I could think of. Here's some other interesting. Las Vegas Raiders have a home game on Monday night, I think the second week. That's what it was yeah, said, yeah. And the Las Vegas Stadium is nowhere near completed. So they have a home game second week. Like, is that going to be something? Did they prepare for that? Or is the Las Vegas Raiders Stadium more complete than I think it is? I could be completely wrong, but the last picture showed one big piece of grass. <laughs> and I'm, I don't know how fast these stadiums come together, but I'm excited to see their stadium. I'm excited to see them at home. They're getting showcased on Monday Night Football. I mean, there's a couple 
things you can get out of it, but not enough, I don't think. You think they feel confident in being ready for the second week in the season because they're planning on not having fans there and they don't need to have all the seats ready? Ooh. Mm. That's a good point. Hmm. They're going to be playing at like a high school over there in Las Vegas. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Don't hit anybody. The construction no. workers will be working while they're playing. <laughs> also, this high is, school in Vegas, Bishop Gorman is basically an NFL stadium. That's where the Fertitta kids go, I think. Yeah. I've also been told Dan buildings went there. in Nevada get built very fast yeah. for some reason. I don't know if it's like loose Well, they built a lot of buildings. Well, it's a dry heat. Yeah. It's a dry heat. That's why he gets so hungover. Is it? That's why you forget stuff when you're there, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the dry heat happens. Um, three teams have new stadiums this year. Is that the most in recent history? And they're banking on those stadiums getting finished while a quarantine is happening. There's no way the NFL could have prepared for the right? Chargers, Raiders, yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. Raiders. So there's three teams with new stadiums. They're just banking on those being done. Or is that the thought that we're not going to need a full stadium for a couple weeks? I mean, nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. But, I mean, this, we- is, this is a roll of the dice, I think. If you are the the Las Vegas Raiders, you know they have to have some kind of backup plan in place if for some reason the stadium is not ready. I mean, there's backup plans for backup plans now because we don't know. Everything changes day to day. You know, so, yeah, you, they have to have many things set up, I guess. You know what my backup plan always is? Mm-hmm. Not in Chuck. Oh, 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 I'm not. I can't wait to... Zito gets to make a gift probably 15 minutes from now of you hitting yourself in the temple accidentally. No, no, no. That's why you got to look so uncoordinated when you got nunchucks because they will fight back. (laughs) You got to keep that thing at right at distance. You know, that thing's got you at bay if they want you. Yeah, I guess so. I haven't had my, I haven't had a pair of nunchucks in. 20 years, maybe. Well, just wait till you go to birddogs.com and use promo code SPORTSTALK, and mm-hmm. not only will you get a great pair of shorts, but you'll also get nunchucks. So that's way better than getting like a 10 or 15% off for first quarter. Well, agreed. I mean, what are we doing? They already got cheap prices on the shorts. I mean, what, a, what do you want to get? You want them to give? No, we'll just give you a pair of a weapon to use. If Earl Thomas's wife walks in with nunchucks, do you think this is even a story? <laughs> Oh gosh, would it be? Wait, is she in less trouble if she has nunchucks <laughs> instead still, of a gun? Oh, oh. Still a deadly weapon. Hold on. <laughs> Imagine her walking in. Okay? She walks in. Oh, son of oh, no. my thing. Oh, no. She walks in, sees everybody naked Earl, Earl's <laughs> brother, women, and just goes, What are you doing? <laughs> I always hit myself in the face there with the lefty. But this is a wild story. I think Earl's potentially going through a divorce here. I think Earl's potentially mm. going through a divorce. His brother threw him a party. They were either meditating naked because everybody knows that's yep. good for the mind. Mm-hmm. They were maybe doing yoga naked because there's no restrictions in any church. Or they're all having sex with each other. But this is a <laughs> wild story that I'm sure Earl Thomas never thought he would have to talk about on TMZ. Yeah, well, he tried to – didn't he post something uh, on IG? Not the not – the- TikTok video that came out recently, just what earlier today? Yeah, was that exactly. last night? Two hours ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So two hours ago. But he came out. And I know he had a video. So uh, my agent just hit me and told me I'm going to be on TMZ, and he's trying to get ahead of it and whatever. But my question is, this thing happened about three weeks ago. It seems like how do we how did we not find out about it until now when everybody is stuck at their place figuring stuff out? Like how do we know? Media people love to to check like the all the logs that the police have that's public. They check everything, but somehow this is three weeks later and we're finding out about it. Well, you got to think UFOs came out and that was talked about for what a day. Mm-hmm. Good yep. point. Good point. Uh, this dude was just dead. He came back to life yesterday. A soccer player in Germany. 
The whole world is currently shut down. Draft. Murder hornets. The draft happened. Jordan Actually, Love, you know what else? What probably suppressed it was the excitement leading up to the schedule release. Well, not yeah. only schedule release, but also Jordan Love to the Packers. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's a lot. Maybe the Earl Thomas news made like local waves, I would assume. But when Jordan Love gets drafted to the Packers, everything like that just kind of dissipates. And mm-hmm. I, I think maybe that was the savior. But then, then somebody was like, wait a minute. Did, did we not talk about this? And then that kind of got how it got going. But it sounds like Earl Thomas says, hey, we just need a little thoughts and prayers down here. We're going through some things. And Earl Thomas, a great football player, obviously. I have no idea what's going on in his personal life. But anytime you hear a story about uh, your wife walking in on you with a gun with you and your brother naked with a bunch of women, I mean, that's going to have to be something that's talked about, even though he might have just been – maybe they were praying, by the way. Possible. Could have been. Could have been praying. You know, could have been worshiping. We don't know. We don't know what he was the, doing. The best is when you when you read it, I know she took a couple of friends with her. The cops say that one of them was recording part of the incident. Like, when does that footage get made public, or when does that leak? Hopefully. Brazzers already has it. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. yeah I, I mentioned the Cheater show from back in the day. Do you remember that show? Gosh, that was that had to be all set up, wasn't it? Well, until that guy got stabbed on a boat. The, guy got, the, the host got stabbed was on a boat. Was that real, though? Well, I always thought maybe it wasn't real. Maybe it was rigged. Maybe this thing was kayfabe. Maybe those weren't marital situations ending up terribly on national television while somebody's getting ponded out in a motel. Maybe that's all fake. Maybe this is Jerry Springer-like. But then you hear stories like this with Earl Thomas and then other stories I've heard with other people. It's like, I think these are potentially real situations that go down in these types of situations. And, And that's why... If you're gonna if you're gonna pray naked with your brother and a bunch of women, you got to keep the doors locked. I think that is uh-huh. that is probably rule number one. If I was Earl Thomas. Hey, how did she? So they she said he left. She logged into his Snapchat account, yeah. saw pictures. Oh boy, with he and other girls. Did he see Snapchat of this girl? Like, how did she figure that out? You can uh, you can see like if if you go on Snapchat, you could see like she could see his location and then can see. If she's friends with those girls, like if they're in the same location, mm, yeah. gotta be careful on Snapchat. Can't he turn location on. off? Could, but he Could didn't. Ghost, ghost mode. mode. Gotta be careful. I don't know enough about the Snapchat, but it sure sounds like technology is making sure that you're tracked at all times these days. You accidentally hit a button on Twitter, it'll tweet where, where you're tweeting from. It's like, mm-hmm. nah, get the fuck I didn't mean to do that. And then it's harder to get out. I mean, there was back in the day they started to track the phones. It was like, uh, Beep beep chirp chirp. I think T Mobile had people's <laughs> phones getting uh, tracked there for a while. You could get you could find where the phone was. That's when it started. And now I feel like hey, DoorDash knows exactly where I'm at at all times in my life. Google Maps knows exactly where I'm at. And for Earl Thomas, you, you don't care if Steve Jobs and Tim Cook know where you're at, but in that particular night you just don't want your wife to know. <laughs> and uh, you do you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't if you got Snapchat. It really <laughs> sounds like live by the sword, he died by numerous swords and bodies. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see how this plays out. I, I, I doubt we're we're hearing the end of this, uh, of how it all is going to play out, especially since Earl posted a video a couple hours ago of him having a good time. Is it his birthday? <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, by the way, to Earl Thomas. Happy birthday, Earl. <laughs> He's living right now. I, Earl Thomas might become my new favorite football player, by the way. The video that he posted immediately after the story being <laughs> released, I believe he's in a adult ballet. There's uh-huh. some uh, money on the ground. Money on the ground. Hose on the floor. You know what I mean? You get going, and they're just TikTok dancing and having a good life. And it appears if that might be the crew, by the way, mm-hmm. that it potentially uh, was. Now, we don't know. We have no idea. I believe his brother was in that video, among with some ladies. They seemed like they were just enjoying themselves. Maybe they were on a uh, ayahuasa. Uh, ayahuasa. Uh, yeah, like you said earlier, maybe they were. We don't know what they were doing, what spiritual thing they could have been into. Yeah. But sure seems like his wife thought they were all sticking each other's things in each other's things. 
Yep. She did. What if he comes out and he's all he's innocent? Like he was he was legit meditating naked with his brother and some ladies. We don't know. Possibly he's just filming it. Have you ever seen a documentary? I mean, there's a lot of documentaries, a bunch of people doing a lot of weird stuff. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't talk to God. He's a great player. Hell of hell of a safety. Hell of a safety. What do you got, Diggs? Uh two pieces of news came across the wire. Here we go. First one, NFL competition committee. Chairman Rich McKay confirms that pass interference penalties will not be reviewable again in 2020. Fucking Alberto Riveron. <laughs> Listen, I thought we were done with this guy. I think that rule was a good rule if it would have been instituted properly. If you had somebody that wasn't inept reviewing the plays and understanding that, yes, there's pushing and shoving on everything, but if it's an egregious pass interference that 99% of the earth could tell, and you don't want to overturn it strictly because you think it puts the refs on the field in a bad position. It's a judgment call and you don't want to knock them. This is why this rule was put in for good reason and now it's being removed for good reason. And that good reason is the person that was reviewing these things, making the decisions, just refused to call it how everybody else on earth saw it. I think this could make the game better. A pass interference penalty is detrimental to the death of your team every single game. I mean, it's a first down at least. It could be a 50-yard play. If they fuck it up or don't get it right, there should be an ability with the technology that we have and the humans that we have to make it right. It's too important. The fact that they couldn't execute it last year, I think that isn't the reason to dump it out, but I guess they are dumping it out of the rule book, and I do not love it, AJ. Well, So do they need to rewrite how the review rules are set up, or do they need to just abide by the rules and not make it so crazy to overturn one of these calls. I think they just need a new person looking at the reviews. I, maybe just take a Twitter poll and just listen to the millions and millions of people on the internet who seem to get it right every time and Alberto Riveron somehow figures out a way to get it wrong. You saw coaches last year. A pass interference would happen and there would be no call. They would get out the red flag, look at all of their fans and be like, listen, I know, I know I would like to do this, but we all know the person that's reviewing this will not overturn this call. So I'm going to put the because I don't want to lose a timeout or a challenge. I'm going to put this back in my pocket and not fucking throw it. The reason why is because the person that was reviewing it, this guy right here, Mr. Riveron, probably a good human, probably a good guy. Mm. Probably. I have no idea. I've never met him. But him reviewing was a nightmare last year. And it was put in a spotlight with this new rule. And now they're getting ready. I'm not happy about it. I feel like we should continue to advance the game with the technology that we have so that these refs don't get crucified because we're expecting them to make mistakes. But we'd like the ability to correct them. Now we're taking that ability out. You're, I mean, it's just, I guess it's a no win if you're a ref. But I think last year it wasn't because of the thought. I think it was because of the execution. Well, it was because of coaches, like, okay, after the first couple of weeks, like, all right, why would I even throw this flag anymore? Like, it's not going to get overturned. Exactly. I'm going to waste a challenge, lose a timeout. Bingo. When I, and then that's what happened to, like the second half of the season. Like, why would you even throw that flag? You know you're not going to get it. So, yeah, maybe they just – maybe Dean Blandino takes that role and, and takes over Riveron's gig. Hey, what he did with the XFL with the transparent review – or the XFL with the transparent reviews, I thought that was awesome. Little guy with an Xbox controller. Oh, oh. His leg definitely hit the fucking ground. I don't know how you guys missed that, but we're going to move the ball back to the – like, that was – 
great. It was efficient. They didn't have to run 55 yards to look into a tiny little monitor. When their Jumbotron's there, they had an earpiece in. Everybody could hear what they were saying. It made sense. And even if they were wrong, at least you heard why they were thinking about making that move. That was what they should institute. They saw the XFL do it. And although the XFL didn't survive because of quarantine, they had somebody serving nachos that had coronavirus early in this thing, which is kind of a... That's kind of a tough thing to get over. I think the XFL did have a lot of good concepts, and I think the transparency of the review thing was a home run that I hope my commissioner, Roger Goodell, will institute as soon as possible. But it's not in play this year, though, is it? Or are they going to vote on that? I don't know how you don't see that and go, oh, we should fucking do that. They had to. They had to hear everybody. It was 100% of people, I feel like, once the XFL started and they saw the review process, they're like, oh, this is great. Why don't... Yeah, let's the pick. NFL should absolutely do this. They don't need the NFL doesn't need to be scared of them seeing like us seeing behind the curtain and what it looks like. No, Unless. I think everyone would appreciate it. Now, what Nick was about to say <laughs> is what a lot of people are probably thinking. Unless they don't want you to get a look behind the curtain, and I don't, I don't, I don't think that's something we want to start start talking about. Mm-hmm. I'll Just throw it out there. Don't. I mean, look at the shirt he's wearing. Oh come on! Oh my God! Oh. The Italian club. Respect the shield. A lot of Italian refs. Uh-huh. Gene's oh, territory. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not Gene. Hockey. Oh, Blandino, right? Gene's with, uh, is Gene with CBS? Yeah, he's the best, too. He's awesome. He's Gene, the guy. Gene's he's the king. one who got a standing O when the real refs came back after the fail Mary game. <laughs> Remember, he walks out of the tunnel, and I don't know where it was, and they legit the whole crowd. And he was like, he was juiced. It was <laughs> the By the way, good ref. Gene Steratore. Yes, in multiple sports. Good yes. ref. Communicates well. Like he, he's a normal, like relatable dude on the field. He, like you could ask him a question and he'll be honest. He won't just a lot of those, especially older guys, like, oh, be quiet, get back in the huddle. Like he would talk to you. He'd be like, well, you know, hey man, like I saw you yank his jersey a little bit. You know you can't do that, man. You gotta let go after five. Like stuff like that. Gene and I had a beautiful relationship. We're both from western Pennsylvania. He's a Pittsburgh guy as well. And he came to coach training camp. You know how they always send like an NFL crew to your camp to go over the new rules and then they coach at camp a couple practices and stuff like that. I think I asked a question. He came in with a super Yinzer accent, like, you know, <laughs> and I was like, uh, you a Yinzer or something like that? We started talking and then the next day at camp, uh, he was standing behind me, right? Cause that's where the head official stands. And I started talking shit to him or whatever. And then I missed one or whatever. And he was like, oh, not your best, not your best. And then he has his whistle or whatever. And from that moment forward, every time we had him as a game i would go out and we would shit talk each other for what 15 20 seconds before the ball is kicked and then if i hit a good one i would always get him running by me bomb and then just <laughs> like, it, was like, it was like a cool relationship it was a very cool relationship he missed he missed a rough in the passer or something that i think everybody thought and it was like uh i didn't get a chance to talk to him until like maybe 15 20 minutes later because we didn't have to punt for it and i go out on the field and i'm like paisan he's like what's up patty or whatever i'm like you fucked up that rough in the passer a couple of minutes he's like pat we are so far past that I was like, this is my first time getting to talk to you gene you know like he was that guy though the nhl has those refs they have that uh, Wes McCauley. Wes McCauley. This guy, Wes McCauley. Like, I think that's how NFL refs should be. I think they should have personality. I don't think they should be scared whenever they're talking to a national audience in a solo shot because they are the representative of the game, right? Whenever they are saying something and they're fumbling and bumbling their words and they don't know who did what or where to go, that makes the game look bad because they are the representative of the game. I've always wanted a ref after a challenge to come out and go, <clears throat> like I said, after review... 
this son of a bitch stands. Let's <laughs> like I wish that I wish that there was a little bit more moxie out of the refs because I think you have to, or you're going to get intimidated on the field. You're going to get lost, and you people don't think about refs potentially choking. But these are massive moments for these humans who aren't always in this type of situation. Gene, Hockey League. There's a couple other guys that I think have been great, but they're all getting plucked from these networks, getting big money, and then you got the Alberta Riverons ruining calls. Well, yeah, they like. Um What's his name? What's the Fox guy's name? Oh, Pereira. Pereira. Oh. Mike's awesome. He's great on TV. He does a great job explaining it. Gene is with CBS now. Like these guys, not only I'm sure are they getting more money with these networks, their schedule is way better, oh, yeah. and they're not the most hated person in America every Sunday. You remember when Gene took that note card out? Mm. <laughs> and he felt like a genius, by the way. There's still a shot of him looking at the camera, basically, and putting it in his back pocket. And he's like, first time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even need to bring him out. I got it here. I, I noticed you left out uh, Mike Carey. He was very good and when they went to the booth and they were like, Mike, what do you think here? And he would say one thing and it would always absolutely be the other thing. Yeah, that's not good. When the booth and the ref are never on the same page, not good. Mike Carey seemed to be uh, never on the same page with the correct call. <laughs> and the thing about him was he called a couple Super Bowls, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that that's really when I think the NFL was like, uh, can you get him off the television? Wait, was he CBS? Yes, yeah. he was, yeah. Yeah, Gene took his gig. Yeah, yeah, they were looking hard, too. They were like, we cannot mess this one up. How? Did, I bet you CBS people behind the scenes were like, how did he ref a Super Bowl? <laughs> Does he know the rules? <laughs> Oh, we got a contract for another year with him. We'll just throw him out there and we get every fucking review wrong, I guess. He was wrong every time. Every, every time. Every single time. It never failed. He's like, not, But even if you get him wrong, like you have to look comfortable on air. You have to be able yeah. to explain it in a very short amount of time, which is very foreign to pretty much everybody. You got to get reps doing it. But guys like Gene, like Pereira, they step in day one. They seem very comfortable and they do a good job of explaining it to us fans that are watching. I'm on your side here. Uh, the uh, second news, uh, this comes from Ian Rappaport. Free agent quarterback Cam Newton has not ruled out a backup quarter jo- quarterback job in the right situation. Uh, he wants to start be a starter, but is open to being a backup. Okay, that's not news. <laughs> uh, he hadn't come out and said that before, AJ. Hey, hey, Diggs. Hey, Diggs. Why don't whenever you talk and you say it's news, why don't you make it news, Diggs? It's news. <laughs> huh? why, don't you, why don't you make it news? I'm just telling you what AJ Where did he say it before? Question. Diggs, this is not a personal attack on you. It seems oh, like it. Seemed like Sounds like it. I understand Cam originally. There's stuff floated out there that he's gonna he would sit out a season or should he sit out a season and all of this stuff. Of course, the right situation he would go to. He wants to be a starter. Cool. We already knew this, I feel like. I agree. Most common sense. But there was a lot of people coming out and saying that he would not be open to being a backup. That's why the conversation was, should he sit out a year instead of being a backup quarterback? So I think that's why it's potentially news because there's 58 days here without any live sports in America. So that's why it's news. It's Cam Newton and all that shit. But then a lot of the narrative started spinning that he shouldn't go to a place to be a backup. He should rather sit out. And I like that Ian Rappaport was definitely getting his information from directly from Cam Newton because in the tweet he wants to be parenthesis and should be by the way so Rappaport's just like <laughs> I love that let me let y'all motherfuckers know I am on this guy's side a starter but he's open to being a backup where would be a good place for him to be a backup quarterback you gotta have a strong starting quarterback don't you think I'm glad you asked Pat so I was speaking to an anonymous scout yesterday, and I was asking him just about things going on around the league. Wait a minute. Oh. Wait a minute. We have an anonymous scout on this show? Oh, yeah. He's, he wants to be known as the anonymous scout. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. He Let's works go, in yes. the NFL. How long has he been in the NFL? Yeah, yeah. He's in the NFC. He's been, on, he's been with a couple different teams 
He's probably been in 15, 20 years now. Oh, okay. So this guy knows. All right. Here so we he go. had he had this theory on on Cam. I, it, he he thinks for sure, obviously Cam and coming off his his foot and everything. People want to see that he's healthy. So that's a big reason why he's not signed right now. I was like, where's he going to go, man? Because in my eyes, I said if he wants to start. The one place he should go that has the best chance of starting is New England. Now, I don't know if New England wants him. If he can go in there and beat out Stidham and Hoyer, that's the job. But you're not going to go Good sit behind. He's not going to have, like, can you see Cam doing a Jameis Winston thing? But my scout, my anonymous scout who I told you, he said, what about this? He said, what if you, what if Pittsburgh brought Cam in, gives him, like, a two-year deal, first year is worth, like, five mil, second year can be up to, like, 20 mil. If he becomes the starter, for some reason, Ben retires, Ben's not healthy, he doesn't have it anymore. Tommy John doesn't take. If Cam can step into the role his second year, then he'll get a big payday, 20 mil, revamp his career, parlay that into a long-term extension possibly with the Steelers. I think all of Pittsburgh was expecting that and hoping that with Jameis Winston. That's why the report when it came out from a Bucks beat reporter, whatever he was, a blog kid named Nick Citro, that Jameis Winston turned down another offer from the Pittsburgh Steelers to go to the New Orleans Saints for a one-year, $1.1 million deal became such big news because the Pittsburgh Steelers had to come out and say, we have negotiated no deals with any other veteran quarterbacks and they've always said that they're so on Mason Rudolph being their backup quarterback. That's much to the chagrin of the entire city and its fan base saying we are not 100% sold on Mason Rudolph. So whenever the thought that Jameis was potentially going to be a Steeler, I think a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers fans were happy with this. I might be speaking out of pocket, but I think that's accurate. If Cam Newton was to come in there now, the thing that was said was why would you want to piss off Ben Roethlisberger by bringing in a guy that could potentially compete for his starting job if he struggles a little bit? Ben Roethlisberger is that he sees hole 18 as well. The thought was if you bring in Cam Newton, maybe he feels as if you're pushing him out. And although this isn't, although Madden is a video game, this isn't a video game. Players do have feelings and personal stuff like that. Maybe they thought that that could potentially rub Ben Roethlisberger the wrong way when they brought in Ben Roethlisberger's offensive coordinator. They got rid of anybody who has problems with Ben Roethlisberger. It feels like the Steelers are mounting up for a, a, a round Ben Roethlisberger run that they had hoped to do last year, this year. But if he gets hurt, which inevitably normally happens, they have to rely once again on Mason Rudolph. And if he gets hit in the head with his own helmet and throws some picks, Doc Hodges comes in. I think all of Pittsburgh would be like, yes, give us Cam Newton. But I think what's happening inside the organization is we don't want to piss off Ben. And this is Ben's run. Am I wrong in saying everything that you've heard as a Steelers fan? No, no, I think that's completely right. But I, I feel as a Steelers fan that if I was Ben Roethlisberger, just from a fan's point of view, like as the city views him, he has if he struggles for a little bit, I don't think uh, the Steelers fans would call for Cam. Like I think they trust Ben enough that he shouldn't. I don't think so. I uh, I think it would create quite the drama in the circus if Ben if Ben came back and did not play well and like let's say weeks one and two he comes out and does not have good games. I think it would create a whole circus of problems. And have you seen the vlogs that Cam Newton's been putting out? There's going to be people that watch that. There's going to be local shows that are promoting that. Mm-hmm. They got this guy sitting on the bench. I got this going on. I mean, now granted. I think Cam Newton should be on a roster just like, hey, parentheses, and should be a starter. Like, I honestly feel that. And Pittsburgh seems like the right situation, especially whenever it comes from, like, a smart, like, hey, we need a guy, especially what we saw last year. But I think their big thing is we don't want to piss off Ben at all. Let's give him an opportunity with all everything on the table for Ben, which, by the way, I think a lot of Packers fans wish that the Green Bay Packers would have done. Well, yeah, but what is – if you're running a team – what is your job like? What's your responsibility if you're the GM? You're the owner. Are you there to 
protect the feelings of your star players and make sure they feel comfortable and they're not upset? Or is it to set your team up for success now and in the future in case something happens like last year where Ben gets hurt where you could have a guy that has played in the Super Bowl come in and be your quarterback? Great question. And I think a lot of people would say the reason why the Steelers didn't make the playoffs last year is because they didn't have a backup quarterback. Right, I think just like the Packers now, because we could say the same thing for the Packers situation with drafting Jordan Love. But we then I would go back to my thing, like why didn't they make the Super Bowl last year? Why did they lose? Well, they didn't address that at all. The Steelers would be addressing the exact reason why they weren't able to win last year if they were bringing a backup quarterback, which is something you have to think about. But I would assume Colbert and Tomlin know Ben at this point, and they're like, listen, our job could be to look forward to the future, but I think we got a team right now that we can win with. Let's get our guy in here and make him feel good i'm not saying it's right or wrong because if ben doesn't if tommy on doesn't take and he gets hurt or he gets hit or something like that and they go back to mason rudolph you got to hope i guess that mason rudolph has figured it out in one offseason dating bachelor stars and and then you got to hope that that goes on or maybe you you think that cam newton could still be on the street and bring him in I, I don't know what you do but that could be an evolving issue there if they don't sign cam yeah i mean i the backup quarterback situation there is a mess right now but um and there's a lot of I think the local media and fans love Ben Rod. Like there's the what the Bruce Arians, what Bruce Arians said about Ben on the show earlier today is getting picked up by a bunch of local Pittsburgh places right now just because it was good about Ben and that Ben's arm was previously probably hurt for more than a year. Blah blah, blah all that. They should love Ben in Pittsburgh. Correct. Like they should absolutely love Ben and what he has done there. I don't take it like if you brought Cam in. I understand how it might be weird. But, yeah, I mean, I, there, it is always weird, I guess, when there's a high-profile backup. It's like, okay, what if he goes three and out his first series of the season? Then all, people are calling for Cam already. That's why I don't like having, like, the, the back and forth between who's going to be the starter or who should be, like, Chicago. If for some reason Chicago oh, starts yeah, Mitch Trubisky, he goes three and out, they're going to be booing the first series calling for Nick Foles. That's a tough thing. That is a tough thing to deal. I mean, they were already calling for Nick Foles, and he wasn't even on the team last year in Chicago. <laughs> They were calling for any quarterback that could possibly get them a, a win or two. I mean, that's just – especially at that position because that's the – that you go as your quarterback goes. And, I, by the way, I don't blame Colbert and Tomlin for being – if they decide not to bring in Cam, just strictly for being like, ah, let's not piss off. I mean, yeah. let's just not do it. I, let's, just, let's just see if we can win, and then we'll build for the future. But Cam Newton, the timing of his release, the quarantine of his release – Everything, it's going to be something we talk about for years to come and eventually what happens. The same with Jameis. It's like those two guys, incredible football players, and they look like they're going to be able to only get better. Cam looks healthy, but nobody knows if that's 100% certain, and it's not a, it's not a good time to sign, sign a franchise quarterback. Yeah, and Jadavian Clowney is still out there on the market too. He's still a free agent. I'm curious where he goes. I did a serious show yesterday with my brother-in-law, Brady Quinn, oh, and we just oh, – hey, hey, hey. How was it? Good show? Yeah, it was good, sure. So, but Brady brought up Jadavian Clowney and where he was going and, like, what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, like, for the next two hours, we were talking Jadavian Clowney. Like, people were calling it. Everyone had their – like, every every person that was a fan of their certain team, like, why don't we bring Jadavian in? Like, probably 12 different teams. And every single one, I'm like, yeah, I could talk myself into Jadavian signing. Why you guys could use Jadavian Clowney, bring him in, one-year deal, pay him between, what, 12, 15 mil, kind of a prove-it deal. Hopefully he has a big year. Like if you're like the Indianapolis Colts, a Colts fan called in and said that. And I'm like, you know what? 
that's not a bad idea. You got Phil Rivers. Let's go all in. Let's make a run at this thing right now in the next year or two and, and see what happens. And you drafted DeForest Buckner in the first round. He's mm-hmm. already an all pro yeah. this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got uh, Walker also as a linebacker there. You got Malik Hooker going into his last contract year here. That defense and off that the Colts team's ready to cook. You get to Davion Clowney. If he, he's a disruptor, that's what he is. You're good. Allegedly, somebody told us on the show. Who told us? Somebody told us on the show that Jadavion Clowney is potentially going to be a Jet, a Titan, or a Brown, and the number that they're waiting to get down to King? is around no. 15. Chuck million. Robinson. Charles Robinson oh, of yeah. Yahoo, senior NFL writer at <laughs> Yahoo, which is still a company, Yahoo Sports. They He says that the, the Jets, Titans, and Browns are interested in Jadavion Clowney, but they're waiting for the number because it was originally 20-plus. Then it got down to 20. Then they're waiting, I guess, for it to get down near 15 or below 15. I don't know. Is that just Jadavion waiting to do that, or or is there conversations happening? Like, how does that happen? I, I've never been worth that much a year. I, I don't fully understand how that happens. Well, it sounds like there's conversations happening. I know Jadavian came he, – he did an interview a day or two ago and mentioned like how good he feels. He's 100%. He's working out down in Texas somewhere, and he's just kind of taking his time seeing what's out there. But, yeah, just all that tells me is I think he has a lot of people that want him, but just the price isn't right yet for these teams to bring him in. He, they're waiting for him to, to lower his price a little bit, and we'll see. Like with Cam, though, with, with Cam Newton, if, if he does sign, like there's nothing that's going to – happen in the next month or two i would think that's gonna spur a team to to try to sign him now it's gonna have to wait until training camp when somebody gets hurt or somebody isn't playing nearly as well as they hoped they would and then all of a sudden cam can come in and be the savior the only thing that sucks is that he doesn't get to learn an offense right that's the only thing he's gonna have to come in and be blind almost and play jacoby Brissett had to do this for the colts two years ago he got brought in from the patriots like seven days before the season started and started that weekend it was like oh he had some stroke Struggles, obviously. He didn't know. He wasn't even on the team a week ago. Now he's a starting quarterback. That same type of thing will happen for Cam. But I think Cam is such a gamer and a vet. I, I, I'm, I'm pumped to see what happens with him. A couple more uh, roster leaks or schedule leaks. Week two, Lions at Packers. Then week 12 on Sunday night football, Bears at Packers. Also, Eagles versus Packers is scheduled for week 13, while Panthers at Packers is scheduled for week 15. So the Packers, who have Jordan Love now in the quarterback room with Aaron Rodgers and made it to the NFC Championship game, have at least one primetime television uh, game in the second half of the season and probably more. Uh, Good for the Packers schedule getting released. That means there's loose lips inside the Packers organization. Never would have guessed that. Yeah, no kidding. And also, they're not going. They're one of the only teams not going to the uh, little schedule release party on NFL Network tonight. So Five teams were not represented. Uh, The Miami Dolphins are one of them. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are another one of them not being represented on the NFL Network's draft coverage this evening. Well, how did they get Belichick? Uh, because he's, he won an Emmy with NFL Network this past mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Yeah. And Nike. Nike's America's oh, yeah. sweetheart. Yeah. Every, everyone wants more Nike. How, how come they didn't get old Gunther Kuntz on there? Probably because no one respects him. No one wants to. <laughs> they don't want to answer those to questions. Him. No one likes him. So has anyone That'd be from my guess. the front office talked yet? Like on an actual interview? Like a no? They're just leaking stories out, like Kristen Cavallari. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, they spoke. They spoke the, a couple days after the draft, I think. Yeah, he did. How'd it go? Uh, he contradicted himself, like in the sentence. Like he said something, then immediately contradicted himself. So it was a pretty, uh, pretty good. What's that? A hyperbolic statement? Paradox. There it is. <laughs> Hyperbole is the word, but I don't know what it means. It's like exaggeration. Yeah. 
Hey, but for real, Oxymoron. like I know you guys laughed at me or you got mad because Connor thinks Stidham is the next Tom Brady. He is. But is there any other team other than the Patriots that you, it looks like Cam could go in and, and like if you say, let's say Cam Newton goes into the New England Patriots, don't you think he can win that job during training camp? Yeah, yes. if he goes to the Las Vegas Raiders, there's a job he could win. They got two quarterbacks there too. I think he could win the Denver job, but like, yeah. do you ruin the? the it's a little harder to unseat a guy that's already like Derek Carr. Like people feel, I mean, some people are high on him, some people are low on him, but it's a little harder to unseat that guy than it is a guy who hasn't started yet, like Stidham. I think Derek Carr will have success outside of the Raiders, by the way. After he's let go of the Raiders, I think he will be a successful quarterback somewhere. It just feels like, for whatever reason, the Gruden-Derek Carr thing is something that plays out in the public eye, and the perception is that they don't like each other. And then, obviously, the Davis and Tom Brady at the fight thing, which we're not 100% sure that ever came to be. Then they bring in Mariota and pay him $8 million a year. Look at what Jameis made. Look what Andy Dalton just signed for. The fact that the Raiders signed Marcus Mariota to $8 million to be a backup quarterback. Shout out to Mariota's um, agent, but also they said that's going to be a competition, I think, for that deal, which is very interesting. Are they saying that's an open competition? I don't know. I don't I don't. I just kind of. I don't think up. so. I just kind of made that up. <laughs> if you're the Bears, why don't you bring him in there? Turn it into an Earl Thomas situation. Yeah, they did that to the kicking situation last year. They had fucking 15 kickers kicking in the same spot every single day. Yeah, this will be good. This now will we be have how 10 we. 10 tight ends. Let's go. <laughs> this will be how you handle this situation properly. This is good. Um, oh, by the way, we got a new intro song. Did you know this, oh. AJ? I did not. Yeah, somebody sent in a new intro video and a new intro song. And I think since we're about 50 minutes into this thing, we might as well start the show. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Thursday, May 7th. Welcome to McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. Quick, quack. <laughs> hey, you, Sweet. <laughs> you pulling that sled, dude. You're pulling that sled. I really pulled it like a hundred times for that commercial. Oh, I, I had to do a cheese it shoot where oh, they put me through oh, yeah. a marathon of workouts. That that under how uncomfortable were those shoes? Well when I when I came in, that was the very first shoe, oh. like cleat that Under Armour came out with. Those had to be so incredibly uncomfortable. I, 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 Under Armour shoes have grown immensely since that first couple pairs. But I remember some teammates of mine trying on those original Under Armors in about I don't know four minutes into practice, going, "Get this shit, <laughs> get these things off," and watching you pull that sled. And then Jonathan Vilma was running like a three cone drill, mm-hmm. and Vernon Davis was doing it. I was like, that had to be a nightmare of a commercial shoot for that thing. Yeah, luckily I was young and, and didn't know any better. But yeah, it was a, it was a long day. But it was their cleats definitely got a lot better from those first ones. Quick, quack. <laughs> How many shoots for that? How many takes? Oh, I probably messed it up 30 or 40 times. <laughs> quick, quack. Click, <laughs> clack. Hey, that had to be a big payday, though. Yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> How long did you remain in Under Armour? Are you still in Under Armour? I was only with them three, four years, probably. And then you went over to Nike for comfortable shoes? Well, I had a weird deal. I wore Nike cleats, but I spat it. Under Armour in my contract, I was allowed to spat because they weren't licensed with the league yet when I when they first got in. So I could spat. I got used to the spat. I had to. I couldn't officially sign with Nike because they don't let you spat. So I wore Nike cleats, and I kind of had this apparel deal with another company. Yeah, the, the Nike non-spat rule was always one that was highly contemplated and talked about in the locker room because that's a big deal they want their swoosh to be out there and then there was always some conversation like well can't we just like maybe right on top of the 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 tape that we're doing this and things of that nature and this is all being talked about right now in my eyes because 
Justin Herbert has not officially signed with Nike. And Pro Football Talks, Mike Florio was like, he basically, he said on our show that he's loyal to Nike because he's from there where it was created in Oregon, Eugene, blah, blah, blah. And Nike still hasn't signed him yet, which is interesting to me because normally guys get shoe deals very quickly. I mean, they want you to be suited and booted in their stuff stat. They're betting on you being good. And it might not be a massive amount of money, but on the back end, you get all this apparel for free that you go to these websites and you could buy. Normally, Nike gets in there early. I'll never forget, I had a Nike deal. Uh, I had a uh, $5,000 cash they gave me. It was very nice of them. And uh, I think it was another $10,000 worth of apparel I could get off their website. And that was back whenever they had, uh, who was the golf company that they were, uh, or the uh, nice shoe company? They had a uh, Kohan. Kohan. They were with Kohan. So I spent all my money basically on Kohan stuff, <laughs> all of it. And then I got some Nike stuff. And I still had like maybe $2,700 worth of merch left. And I was just going to Christmas, right? I'm just going to get everybody some Nike stuff. And um, Phil Knight went and spoke at Joe Paterno's uh, funeral. And I was like, uh, at this point, I was all in on the fact that Joe Paterno, although he, he won a lot of football games, I think he knew very much what uh, old, old, old uh, whoever yeah old jerry sandusky was doing so i questioned that you know and i was like uh i'm like what do you guys got going on or whatever they're like uh do you not want to be a part of nike anymore or whatever and i was like i I felt like the guy kind of tried me a little bit right and i was like yeah i don't how about that and they're like all right and they just took my deal from me right so i had 2700 bucks left and i was like and it was kind of like i was like yeah i don't and they're like okay and just shut the like my code wouldn't work anymore so i'm like yeah i took a fucking stand right i took a real stand one year later, Nike became the official sponsor of the NFL. I had Nike everything on because they sponsored everything. Zero dollars, zero merch, zero apparel. Still wear Nike. I have to pay for it for the rest of my life. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it, man. I understand. But what were you, you were taking a stand on what? Joe knew. Joe knew. Joe knew. Nebraska. Joe knew. Do you still feel the same way you did back then? Even more so now, yeah. I guess I never really dove deep into it, but hey, that's good for you taking a stand, man, and leaving money on the table because you're standing up for what you believe in. Well, yeah, exactly. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I just I, I just raised the question, and they're like, well, you got to – yeah, I fucking do. You got to – what? All right. <laughs> See ya. No more. <laughs> they just deactivate your account right then? Yeah, I was like – and, you know, I felt kind of good about it, too. I was like, yeah, I took a stand for the right thing here. This was kind of what I – I think this was not a bad thing. I'm going to sleep at night. And then Christmas came around, and – those shoes were more expensive than I remembered before getting that little deal. Things had to happen, but those shoe deals happen on a regular basis. And uh, well, yeah. Now though, like when I first got in the league, it was a little different. Where they were giving out more, like everyone wanted cash on top of their product, like the amount of product you get. And then as time went, it was like only quarterbacks are getting decent cash and product. And then all of a sudden, like there's a lot of big players that pretty much just got product. Yeah, product was everything. They're like, oh, we'll give you uh, maybe 700 bucks and then give you $10,000 worth of gear, though, you can wear. I'm like, I don't think that's a good deal. You can go through that pretty quick. If you go on that website and you're trying to order for family and friends, once they know you have that account, it goes fast. I was trying to get on Team Jordan there for a while. I was pushing real hard. That would be nice. My brand Jordan, Charles Woodson, he wore Jordans. No money. It's no money. But you just get everything that they create. It's like doing the Super Bowl. Just shows up in a lot. I'll never. Uh, Dwight Freeney was obviously on there. Hakeem Nix was on there. Um, yeah, Jordan Cleats. Oh yeah, and they would just show up. Things would just show up at the at their locker, and it's like, damn, those. Yeah, he's on Team Jordan. What, what did you think? No, no, I remember the Troll Owens cleats. I never like saw like uh, Dwight Freeney ones. Oh yeah, Freeney had good ones on. Z was about to order Jordan cleats this morning. That's I cool. was yeah. 
Uh, there was there were some Jordan cleats left in my locker what? whenever I got there so in the happy. bottom part, and uh, I was gonna wear them. And they're oh, like, so just coming out. <laughs> I guess they were Marvin Harrison's. They were like, oh, you should not put those. On. Did you wear two different cleats? Uh I think my rookie year I did strictly because Vinatieri was either with Under Armour or Reebok. I forget. I think Under Armour. I don't know. I took one of his shoes because I was trying to get a shoe deal. So like he like let me use one of his shoes. I was like, yeah, I'll use it. I like it. I thought that was a way for me to get a shoe deal. And then it turned out I, I wore. I got no shoe deals. I mean, it just. Did you ever think about stealing one of uh, Peyton's pair of those giant high top Nikes that went up to his knees? <laughs> I think he. I think he was giving them away at one. Point. No Reeboks. My bad. He had those. Reebok got out of the league shortly after that, but man, Peyton's Reeboks looks like they weighed 400 pounds. He used to come out to, for every training camp, one of these practices, he would have a full visor on too. He would have the big high that he would put on. Like It was just always, it would, the, the locker room was electric on these days because he would obviously walk out of his locker, right? And he would have this visor helmet on and he would just walk past everybody as if nothing was different. <laughs> and then his shoes would be these big ass <laughs> moon shoes. And you would hear the D-line be like, Big headed, <laughs> right? It was just like uh, it was one of those things that like broke up the monotony. Yeah. But now that you see the photos of it, it's like taken out of context. It's like man, those are terrible cleats. But he did it. He did it strictly to lift the boys up. I think, which I can appreciate. I just found Dwight Freeze cleats. They are very nice. I was a big fan of those. Yeah, he's one of Jordan's boys. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, Woodson would all of a sudden like he'd he'd show up at practice wearing some sweet new Jordan cleats that we'd never seen, never heard of. I don't know if he wore them in games ever, but he always had new cleats that he was working on. Of course, their apparel is awesome. Yeah, being a part of like Brand Jordan would be, yeah, I think I would do it. How many Caucasians are on the Jordan team? I think that was my initial push to Dwight Freeney whenever he and I became friends. Was like, I don't know. I've never looked at that. Hey, why don't you tell MJ that if he needs a white guy? I mean, a punter's probably not the right move for Team Jordan. <laughs> but if you guys ever on a golf course, you know, and having cigars, just let them know I love Jays and would love to stop paying for them. I mean, that would be. Keegan, is Keegan Bradley the only? He might yeah, be. He might be. I know he wears Jays. Michigan, no, he is Michigan has Brand Jordan. Yeah. 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 And so is, so is UNC, too. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, they're Nike, official, like they're Nike, but oh, then yeah. they're the Brand Jordan logo and mm -hmm. all their stuff. And a lot of people, because Earl Thomas is a part of Team Jordan. Maybe, I mean, maybe they were just trying on shoes and they didn't want to distract True. from the shoes with clothes, you know, and the Get white those fibers from the clothes on the shoes. All of a sudden the shoes are ruined, let too. alone the coronavirus that could potentially be on the clothes that could be dropping onto the oh. Jays. And do we want is that is now the time can't be doing that can't be doing that. Uh -uh. I think it's a big misunderstanding, honestly, but it's a good show. Good show. I never got Connor's uh, opinion on what what happens if Cam Newton signs with New England. Uh, I mean, if Cam Newton takes a million bucks to come play back up to the future of the NFL and Jared Stidham, then he can do that by all means. But, I mean, I just don't think – I don't want that for Cam. I want to see him on the field. AJ, I don't want to be that guy, but listening to people describe Jared Stidham as a football player is a bit alarming. What? Tell me what you mean. He works really hard. He's a nice guy. I guess Bill Belichick has this vision. These are the things that are being said whenever people are being asked if Jared Stidham's a good quarterback. I trust Bill Belichick's vision yeah, for the team. Bill trusts him, so I trust he him. He has a That's... great he's a good he's an athlete. He's a, not I have not heard and now granted, maybe this is the team messaging, like, hey, just know that this is our vision, this is our path going forward. I haven't heard one person be like he lit up that deal. I mean, he was just slinging the ball all over the yard. So they're 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 talking about him as a person and how hard he works, but they're not 
mentioning anything of how he throws the ball or how he reads defenses or how he's been making plays? Bingo. That is what I'm talking the about. The McCourty brothers did bring it up when they first talked about Stidham. I think it was beginning of March. They said he was very, very good. Gilmore talked about how uh, you know he had them ready. And then ever since then, it's just been, yeah, he's a good guy. He played defense on scout team. Was what Larry Guy told us yesterday. Yeah, so maybe that comes from Bill. Maybe Bill is telling, "Hey guys, like we don't need to be putting any information out there." Which I love, by the way. If Bill Belichick's on these Zoom meetings. You're, like, oh, you're gonna get out of his mouth. Did him? Shut the fuck up. I believe in him. You believe in him. Let's just fucking move on. Because <laughs> that's basically what they're all saying. Bill believes in him, so we believe in him. Yeah. Yeah, and David yeah. Andrews verbatim said that, and Stidham's been over Andrews' house multiple times, so you would think he would at least pump him up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, because they're friends. Yeah. So he, yeah. Smart, by the way. That's the Patriots, by the way, playing chess and not playing checkers, which is a game I like to play. Jump over you, king me. Let's get moving here. I'm going to make my way back now, too, with this king's home bitch. I'm going to jump over everybody. Boom, 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 like it's Cracker Barrel front yard. <laughs> Do you think if, let's say, Jared Stidham comes out and doesn't play well the first half of the season, let's say they're they're 4-4 four and four through their first eight games, and he just isn't playing well. Their defense helped him win a few of the games and just not looking good. Are people going to come down hard on Bill Belichick and find a like, okay, let's say Cam Newton still doesn't have a job then, and they're 4-4. Four and four. What's going to happen? Same thing that you think about when when did you just say young quarter? Oh, Drew Locke. Same thing you think about with Denver. It's like, do you let this kid grow? Do you let him like – now, granted, when Tom Brady went and they went to the Super Bowl is whenever uh, Drew Bledsoe got hurt. But do you let him grow? Do you let him have his ebbs and flows so that we can have a good future? Or do we bring in the permanent answer right now in Cam Newton? It has been said that the Patriots have had zero interest in Cam Newton. That, that has come out on numerous occasions, even though they were one of the only teams looking to his physical on his health early. So, I mean, who knows what the hell is going to happen, man. I mean, who knows? There's only one – Bill Belichick knows, and then what? who's his right-hand guy? That he trusts. Steve Ernie Belichick. Adams. Ernie Adams up there in the booth, the old man yep. that knows everything about everything. He's There's only a few guys that know how they feel about the quarterback situation there in New England, and, and neither of well, them are going to say anything. Ernie Adams got those binocs and signals <laughs> on the other team. He's got that walkie-talkie. Oh, I think they're running uh, cover three. Fucking phone it in. Yep, we've seen it. Let me dissect it. Oh, they're running deep. That's what that guy is. I think he's a rain man. Right? And oh, yeah. He's a rain man. Ernie Adams is a rain man. He just knows everything about everything. Mm -hmm. That's quite a weapon to have in your repertoire. All about football. I would assume every other team is trying to find their football rain man, too. Mm -hmm. That's why the Patriots are different. Patriots win because they got Ernie Adams, rain man up top with the binocs, and you got Bill Belichick running things, and you got a messaging uh, department telling you how to talk about the quarterback of the future, potentially. And you still got Cam Newton on the market, and you also got the NFL schedule being released tonight, which we will react to tomorrow. No Andy Dalton because he told us to go fuck ourselves. We'll be back tomorrow with another incredible addition. <laughs> of McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. You're the greatest. Cheers. Quick clap. <laughs> Jeez, you... On the internet from one to two isn't starting to die. So come on down for a mental vacation with the boys on YouTube It's McAfee and Hawk. It's McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. AJ used to tackle quarterbacks and he's a rust belt kind of guy. AJ Hawk! That's the punter of the decade for the 2010. Kicking piss misses to the sky! It's McAfee and Hawk. It's McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. It's McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. Joining us now, head coach. 
for the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. Head coach Billy Napier. What's up, Pat? What's up, guys? How we doing today? Hey, Billy. Sorry I had to let that beat drop there. It was really building. You know what I mean, Coach? I don't know if I, I don't know if that might be the music I was myself. Oh, oh, no. oh no. We'll take. Oh no, Billy. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to call you back, Coach. We'll have your. We'll have another banger for on the other side. I think it's our connection isn't great. Okay. Appreciate you, Coach. Uh, hey, when he comes back on. Let's try to guess what he likes. What, what do you think? He said that wouldn't be his music of choice. Mm. You think he's a country guy? Rock guy? Yeah, he looks like country. Yeah, I've read dirt stuff. Ted Nugent guy. Are you guys kind of stereotyping right now? No, you think? no, 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 no. Sure feels like you well, guys are potentially. Well, what if it's rap? What if he wants rap in there? You don't Ooh, have, a little Noel clap. He's been in the South pretty much his entire life. What if that was it? <laughs> Coach, can you hear us? Yes, sir. How we doing, Pat? Oh, you guys. sound so good. We were trying to guess there while we were trying to figure out the connection there. What is your style of music? Well, a little bit of everything, man. Heck, I've, I've been all over the place, so I've got appreciation for about every type of music. I respect that. Do you guys play music at practice down there? We do on Thursdays. Who we do. Who uh, controls the playlist? Uh, I let the guys control that. We just try to keep it clean. And uh, <laughs> so... We basically use it as crowd noise on Thursdays, you know, to try to simulate the crowd noise and challenge our communication uh, at the end of the week. It's been a great change up. We didn't do that. Maybe at some places I've been in the past, but um, certainly, you know, I think it's been a good change up for the players. Yeah, I think it's an energy booster, too. Like later in the year, whenever like maybe somebody's song, because we didn't do it for a while on a lot of teams I was on, it, that kind of became something recent. And then there was a year or two where they actually just blasted crowd noise for every single practice, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And even when we were practicing outside, there's a neighborhood next door. <laughs> they were just getting a crowd screaming at them the entire time. And then when music started getting in there, you saw it like lift everybody else. I was like, this is genius. This is what people should have been doing for a long time. Let's talk about where you were at previously, because that's an interesting story that I did not know until we started looking into you a little bit. You coached uh, for uh, Saban and Dabo. Is that accurate? That's accurate, yeah. Okay, are they the polar opposite human beings whenever it comes to coaching? <laughs> you know, I'd say uh, I, get that, that, I get asked that question quite a bit. You know, I think they've got more commonalities than you would expect. You know, I think they're completely different maybe in how they do it, uh, maybe some of their uh, personality traits and those types of things. But they've had success, I think, because they've got conviction about what they believe they want their program to be about. They're fully um, comfortable with who they are, confident, supreme confidence. Uh, I think they're very process-oriented and certainly – uh, a lot of ways to skin a cat. You've seen both of them, you know, emerge and have success, been able to sustain it, and I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. Did you know you were going to be a coach when you were playing quarterback in uh, D1AA? Yeah, I was actually uh, working hard uh, to be a high school coach. You know, my dad was a high school football coach. Uh, always wanted to kind of follow in his footsteps. Uh, grew up in Georgia, you know, in a, in a county school, so – I uh, just watched him generation after generation really make a difference and uh, really liked that part about football. I got an opportunity when I was young uh, to get my foot in the door in college football, but, you know, it's just kind of taken off. I got hired at Clemson when I was 26 and 
you know, it's just been wide open ever since. But I love the game. I uh, always wanted to be a coach. Certainly wasn't ever good enough to be a pro player like yourself. But, uh, <laughs> you know. I got lucky. But love the game, man. And uh, love everything that the game can teach young people. Certainly uh, love the strategy part, the competition part. Uh, I think we all can agree that it's a special, special game. Yeah, I think it's the best. The locker room is a melting pot from the entire globe, basically. Every single walk of life is represented in there, going towards a common goal. I wish more of the locker room would actually come out into the real world. And speaking, whenever you leave from Clemson and leave from Alabama, and I guess you're at Arizona State, and Herm told you you could stay on as the offense coordinator, but you go to be a head coach now at this point. What do you pick out do you, along the way? Were you like, okay, I like that Dabo's doing this. I'm going to take this. I like that Saban's doing this. And then Herm Edwards, whole different energy. I, I like what he's doing. He's an NFL guy. Do you like to just kind of pick and choose? And what were some things you got from those guys that you were like, okay, that's going to make me a good coach someday? Yeah, I mean, I think um, that's been one of the great things. I think what gets overlooked, I think, a lot is not only do you get to work for those head coaches, but you're exposed to some unbelievable – assistant coaches and coordinators in uh, different areas of the organization, whether that's strength and condition and nutrition, academics. Um, you know, I think so along the way, um, that's basically what we've done here at, in Louisiana is we picked a little bit from everything. I would say the core of what we do from a player development standpoint and a year-round plan is a lot of the Alabama blueprint. Uh, but certainly, I'm not Nick Saban from a personality perspective. <laughs> um, so, you know, we do things different. Um, uh, I think that some of the areas where maybe I felt like along the way we did some things a little bit differently, more efficient, more of my personality. I'm an offensive guy, uh, so maybe see it from that big picture. But I think a lot of the what we do at the core is that Alabama blueprint from a teaching development perspective. Uh, and then I think from a core value big picture perspective relative to what we're trying to do as coaches uh, maybe that's a little bit more like some of these other guys that i've worked for okay so a lot of the development happens in spring ball we're obviously in the middle of an unprecedented time where you couldn't have learned from anybody else on how to handle this type of situation what are you doing during all this whenever you can't have people around you got to do zoom calls your coaches aren't even around you so you can't really game plan i mean this is an unprecedented time what are you doing to adjust through it all well, you know, we got three practices in for spring ball, and then we were cut off there. Um, you know, it took us a week or ten days to adjust, but we basically uh, continued our process relative to we scripted the practices, we put together installation packets, uh, we basically created cut-ups uh, that reflected the scripts. You know, we've taught from a, hmm. uh, installations basically twofold one paper install packet version on a dog cam and then we transition to the video cut-ups that goes with those concepts so we're moving right along we're actually um i think we're on a pre about practice nine or ten right now we took a little bit of a break because our guys are taking final exams but Ugh. you know we're <laughs> going to keep working through these things and try to teach as best we can Listen, you can't say it. I will get this final. Listen, <laughs> yeah. 
Anyways, uh, <laughs> coach, whatever. We have a kid who's an intern here who's uh, currently in college, and he can't come and learn stuff on this show that'll make him money one day because he's got to take the origins of Greek and Latin on Zoom. <laughs> it just, I, whatever. Um, okay, now, any small school, and I don't want to say that University of Louisiana Lafayette is a small school, but it's not as established. You get it. Okay, any any smaller school that wants to make a run into national prominence has to have a great offense. I think that's kind of the the whole point. You look at SMU last year, whenever they were on their run, that offense was electric. When I was at West Virginia, Pat White, Steve Slate, Owen Schmidt, the boys, they put us on the map. I mean, the offense, if you can score, you get into the thing. You run the offense. What is your style of offense? I should have watched film before talking to you, but I'm excited to learn about this a little bit. No, we're, we're a one-back, no-huddle team. Um We've kind of evolved over the over time. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate to get a chance to call plays and be a coordinator when I was really young. I was nowhere close to being ready to do that, you know, at Clemson. And then, you know, had opportunities to work with lots of different coordinators. And I think we've combined a lot of those things along the way and come up with a system here. We've been running it for three years. This will be our fourth season. Starting when we were at Arizona State was our first year. Uh, but it's a one-back uh, system. We are a no-huddle team. We vary tempo. Um, but we run a lot of pro concepts, but we've attached a lot of the run-pass option and, and perimeter screen concepts that go with those. Uh, but I, I think it's a, it's a good, solid system. We've gotten better each and every year. I think last year was our best year. Uh, we've got a good core group of players coming back. Play action was always something that was important to football, right? It's the most important thing to football back in the day and forever will be probably. But then it got kind of transitioned into this RPO, right? And the RPO is a little bit different. I mean, it's similar, but it's obviously different with the way it's adjusted. Is there a way to – everybody's doing that offense. Everybody. It's it's making, it's in the NFL now at this point. I mean, you the most successful offenses in the NFL are going – the fact that you're running in college, a lot of people are running in college. It feels like the athletes are being built for this type of offense these days. What is going to slow down this? Is there – it feels like there's literally – it's all adjusting to things that are happening. So it's like at all times it's an audible so i don't know how you start like defenses are going to have i think a long decade here trying to figure this out yeah it's a never-ending chess match you know i think we've seen defenses evolve i think you're seeing um you know just haven't been in the game for a long time i mean I, my dad i played uh, for my dad he was a triple option guy we read defenders right we read down linemen we read we had pitch keys I mean, so you're just seeing the game evolve, and I think defensive coaches are going to catch up. Um, but you got to take advantage of the rules, and I think that's basically what you've seen is uh, coaches have evolved. There's certainly more information out there, uh, and people are using the rules to their advantage. And certainly, the offense has some advantages based off of the current rules. You guys have had people make it to the NFL this past year. I think somebody ended up a Steeler. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Wasn't fourth round. It? What's his name? Dotson. Kevin Dotson. Okay, so this guy's a diehard Steelers fan. I think whenever he was drafted, Diggs didn't potentially know who he was. Then went and watched his film and was like, we got a mauler coming to Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. from the he's, he's a road grader. Yeah, there's been some There's been some real NFL talent coming out of there, out of your school down there. That has to be big in pitching, obviously, for recruiting. And then, obviously, the seriousness within the program. Like, hey, if we go here, we play here, we can end up in the league someday. That has to be pretty rewarding as a coach. Well, we're, I think a big thing for our staff and the entire organization is that we're, we're so 
uh, happy for these young men. You know, we've been here with them for two years. We've watched them work extremely hard. Uh, they not only were really good players, but, but they were great leaders on our team. You know, these are exceptional people. Some of the, the best uh, character and work ethic on our team to go along with Tao. And that's why they got drafted. You know, we also had Robert Hunt got drafted in the second round uh, to the Miami Dolphins, Raymond Calais uh, in the seventh round to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, we had two good free agent picks. Jamarcus Bradley Smart. Uh, ended up with the Browns and, and Mike Jacquette to the Eagles. So uh, those guys were really good players and good teammates. Uh, and it's I think that's where you get gratification in college football is when you see kind of some of those dreams realized a little bit and they get that opportunity to go give it a shot at the next level. Amen. Uh, it has to feel good. You know, they're going to go make a lot of money for their family. They put in hard work and you got to see them grow from boys to men in that time. You got a lot of balls behind you. What the hell's going on behind you? We got a lot of balls right behind you. It's a good looking office, by the way. I like what you're doing here. i tell you a story. Um, you know, a lot of this office that we got here, very fortunate to have a great facility at Louisiana and, and the head coach's office is get an A-plus on my board, but <laughs> I worked, we worked here for probably three or four months, and this thing was empty, right? So we had a young lady here who was our director of on-campus recruiting, Katie Turner. One day she comes in and says, hey, coach, how about you let me decorate your office? You know, so uh, we brought some things in. These are just some of the some of the experiences that I've had as a coach, certainly some of the good teams that we were a part of. Uh, and some of the good players that maybe we had a chance to be around. So, um, you know, anytime you're recruiting, I think the kids want to see some of the things that maybe you've been a part of in the past, uh, and that's what these balls represent. Yeah, and you should also remind yourself that you've done some awesome things every once in a while. That's not a bad thing to do, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, been fortunate to be a part of some really good teams and be around some great people, no doubt. Well, it sounds like you're one of those as well. Fella, uh, we appreciate you so much for joining us. Good luck to your squad. Good luck in handling this entire time, and uh, we appreciate you coming on. Pat, thank you so much for having me on today, man. You guys you guys have a great day. I'll tell you what. I literally only said yes at the beginning because your name was Billy Napier, and I <laughs> love that name. And then as I looked into you, and now after this conversation, I'm a big fan. You get a big fan in me, pal. I want to let you know that. Awesome, Pat. Love you, man. Big keeping up with you. And uh, certainly watched a couple of your shows. Got to. Uh, before doing this, man, you got a great crew there. Keep it up, man. Hopefully, we'll be playing college football here before long. Amen. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate that, by the way. Head coach of the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, Billy Napier. Yeah! yeah! Oh, that was a good convo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And good for this dude who just secured a bag. The last time we talked to him, he was going into free agency. Ladies and gentlemen, the newest member of the, no, not the newest, a new member of the Los <laughs> Angeles Chargers, Chris Harris Jr. Woo! Boy Chris! boy Chris! What's up, what's up? Hey, congratulations on getting 20.25, 20.25. Oh, yeah. I uh, need all that, man. <laughs> Chris Harris is a – you've won a Super Bowl, four-time Pro Bowler. You're part of the NFL All-Decade team. You just signed a two-year deal with the Chargers. Life is good, I'd assume, for Chris Harris Jr. How are you staying in shape? How are you getting prepared for the next season in the middle of this quarantine? You doing anything out of the ordinary? Um, actually, man, we've I've had the same access uh, to the gyms. Our gym has been able to stay open. We just, uh, just cut down uh, how many people go in there and work out with us. Um, but I'm able to still get the same type of preparation I would do in any other offseason. 
So it's been it's, it hadn't really affected me too much uh, when it comes to my football, and my workouts. Why'd you end up choo- aside from money? Why'd you end up choosing the Chargers? I assume there were some other yeah. teams interested. Who were they? And why did yeah. you? You don't have to say that. I, you don't have to put anybody <laughs> on blast. But why did you choose the Chargers instead of somewhere else? Oh man, the main reason why I chose the Chargers is they got my first coach that I had, Ron Miles, when I came in the NFL. So um, he was a guy that really had belief in me when I first came in the league and kind of opened the door and gave me a chance to uh, make it in this league. And he's been with the Chargers uh, for a while, and I just thought it was a good fit for me to join them and to to just add on to all the defensive pieces they got on the defensive side. Seems like they're building something special in Los Angeles. And that that might sound crazy because they just got rid of Phillip Rivers, but it does feel as if the tide is turning in their momentum. And the – Chargers, New Jerseys are sick. I mean, that is a that's potentially a reason why I would go there. I mean, I'd look a little thinner. But let's go back to your Denver Broncos situation. You said in an Instagram comment, and it was one of the most hilarious comments I've ever seen on Instagram. I think the Broncos allegedly had told you that you should not do business with your agent anymore. You don't do business with your agent anymore. Then that agent ends up negotiating a deal with the Broncos for somebody else to take your spot. Yes. Yeah, it's a long story, man. It's a long, crazy story, man, for sure. Hey, man, it was a weird situation, man. It's just, uh, I'm just glad that it's pretty much over with, man. I got a new chapter, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about joining the Chargers. Um, me and my, me and my new agent, uh, he found a, a great home for me, a situation where I know I feel comfortable with, and excited about joining. That's very interesting in the middle of a negotiation to have to find a new agent because that agent hasn't done all the research on you, doesn't know everything. They have to, like, a relationship yeah. with an agent is a real thing. The fact that you're able to find a new guy and get a couple offers is very impressive to me business-wise. Yeah. Well, it was um, it was just a weird situation the whole time, man. And I, I definitely, I, I feel like it, 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 you never know, realize how much stuff affects you and all this thing, stuff affects you until after it happens and you kind of look at it and how I dealt with it and things like that. And, uh, the, it definitely affected a little bit how I played, you know, just mentally, um, just going out there. And then once I was able to fire him and then move on, then I actually played better, which is crazy. So uh, you, just, you, just, you just never know what things toll on your life. And uh, it was that was just one of the things that I, it kind of affected me that I didn't know. You know, was it so? You always hear like these big macho business people. They're like, you got to separate your business from your personal feelings. You got to separate your business from your personal feelings. And then I went through a negotiation for the first time, and I feel like I'm somebody who can compartmentalize things rather well. If I delete you out of my life, like I'm like, okay, it was a good run, but there's a reason why I got to move on. Whenever the things that were said about me was being said about me as a player, and then those messages were getting relayed to me, and then I signed a deal with the person and then i have to look at the person that was saying the things to me there's no way that i could do it and i realized that i was a much weaker man than most people i was like i can't separate this i want to go slap that guy in the mouth <laughs> but i i appreciate that you uh had the wherewithal to fire the guy move forward you're going to the chargers they drafted obviously justin herbert they got new jerseys they're moving into a new stadium if that ever gets finished what was the message to you of what the chargers are moving forward like hey the, i'm sure you talked to tom telesco at length whenever he brought you on to his team hey this is our mindset this is what we're going to do this is going to be our team's motto going forward what was that those messages yeah uh they want to win now coach lynn and tom they're they're anxious to win right now and to to get over that hump and that was the main reason to bring me in is to bring in that leadership uh also add more versatility on defense give coach gus bradley he can be able to do anything he wants really within the defense now just being able to add more 
just more variations to what they already do. So uh, that was the main reason why they wanted to bring me over. Um, but I know that they're hungry. They're ready. They're they're excited to take that next step. And main thing for me is that they told me they want to dictate what we do on defense. They want to dictate the game on defense. And that's that's the main goal. There's only been a couple defensives that have been able to do that. But the defenses that can do that, those teams win. The Denver Broncos yeah. defense did that. I mean, you were a part mm -hmm. of a team where the the Ravens defense did it there for a while. The Bears the Bears defense, everybody thought it was going to do it last year for it. It ended up pulling off. The Patriots last year pulled it off. That Broncos team, yeah. though, whenever you guys won the Super Bowl, Von Miller, you, that squad really dictated it. And Gus Bradley, have you had any interaction with that man yet? Oh, tons of interaction. Um, these guys, uh, they communicate a lot. Uh, I think that's one, one thing that um, they know I'm going into a different uncomfortable situation, but Coach Bradley and all those guys, man, they call me all the time, making sure that I'm understanding the defense, making sure I'm getting on the same page. And um, that just shows how much they care and how much they want to win. So I'm, I, I, feel, I feel very comfortable with those guys so far, and uh, Gus has been great. Let's look behind you here. What do you got? You got a Buffalo Bills helmet there. Do you have a big game against Buffalo? Uh, that's my that's my uh, Gilmore. Uh, we we exchanged helmets. That was a long time ago. I think that was his first Pro Bowl. After, oh, first Pro Bowl. That's such a good line. Right <laughs> <laughs> so at, at the Pro Bowl, you exchange it. Okay, I thought it was like after the yeah. game. I, I mean, you got to be who you can afford to be if you're just exchanging helmets. <laughs> after I think I would have got cut immediately. <laughs> hey, I just gave Shane Leckler my helmet. Uh, I'm gonna need another one. That'd be incredible. I couldn't fit this helmet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're doing something today with Tyron Matthew. Uh, I think it's a radiothon. Yeah. I tried to look into it before we got on the air here. I think Tyron Matthew's foundation is going live from 6 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. They got Les Miles going on there, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, uh, Andy Reid joining, and you are also. What is that? Yeah. What is Tyron Matthew, and how did this all come together? Yeah. Tyron, Tyron Matthew Foundation. Uh, that's one of my boys, man. So Tyron, um, he's just a good, good friend, and um, he just reached out to me. He's doing something for his community and um, doing something for the, uh, the COVID-19 in his community and just reaching out to them. And um, one way he's wanting to do it is doing the uh, Zoom live kind of thing and kind of reach out to everybody. And I think it's pretty cool, man. So I'm excited to jump on there. Uh, I don't know what they're going to ask me or what we're going to talk about, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to just go out there and um, help him and his community and what he's trying to do. Okay, so like kickers and punters are a group. Offensive linemen, they have their offensive linemen summits. Quarterbacks have their summits. Defensive linemen have their – do corners tend, yeah. tend to work out together, be friends with each other, or is there natural beef between corners and secondary members? <laughs> That's funny that you say that. Man. I think when I first got in the league, I think me, Sherman, and Pat P, we had like a real competitive beef versus each other. I think – Okay. I think it was. like I think we were real competitive. Uh, we weren't as close as we are now. I would say, but I think it was just more, it was more real competitive, I think. Uh, but now um, I think everybody's more friendly around the league. Everybody tries to give tips as much as they can. Everybody supports each other. So I haven't seen that beef or anything in a while from the uh, corners. But I think earlier, though, when I first got in the league, though, it was a competition beef, though. It was. Well, Revis is from that old school. He and Sherman still have very much. Revis, yeah, they still. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, how much uh, in free agent agency does it go when when teams are recruiting you? Do you look at like the roster? So, like when you look at the Chargers, like, oh, I'm going to be the fourth Pro Bowler in the secondary, and also I'm going to have Ingram and Bosa rushing the quarterback, so I'm not going to maybe have to cover as long. Like, how much do you look into stuff like that? Uh, that was the main thing I was looking at. Is just um, how do I fit. Um, how they're going to use me and um, just 
with all the guys that we got on defense, I, I thought I can just come right in and just jump right in and just uh, fit fit in perfectly with those guys. And uh, uh, I said this uh, in another interview. I haven't played with a guy that has as much talent like Derwin James other than Aqib Tlaib. I played with Champ at the end of his career. So uh, to be able to play with a guy like Derwin that can just mess the game up in the secondary, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Derwin is unstoppable in Madden, too. <laughs> yeah. From what I've been told, he is un- he beat a dude like by 50 or mm-hmm. something in a Madden championship. He's next level at Madden. Are you a Madden player? Nah, I'm not. I'm on Thank 2K. You. I'm a 2K player. Have you been playing a lot of video games during this quarantine? I try to play at night, man. That's the only time I can. You know, I got four girls, so I try to get on late. You got four girls? Yeah. Oh, you're playing zone defense right now. You are <laughs> full on at this moment. Yeah. Well, incredible job. Congratulations on signing. Congratulations on all your success. Can't wait to see what you do in the future. And hopefully the end of this quarantine with four daughters at the house is on the backside of this whole thing. Oh, yeah. No problem, man. Thanks Congr- for having me. Congrats, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Harris. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Another week, Don. I hope you have a great weekend. Considering the circumstances, I hope you have the best weekend you've had in a long time. The weather is cold as hell here in Indiana. It is May, and shit's frozen. But we'll make do, because that's what we do. We will survive. We will survive. Hey, hey. Tweet us. Say what's up. We'll be on social medias all weekend, obviously. And the boys in their shot gang will be on GTA. If you don't know what that is, download the pod. It's a wild gang of GTA players who run around and do hood rat shit. That's what the boys of the pod are doing. We'll be active. Interact with us. We're in this together. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music.